and Ed. Hello, I'm Sean. And I'm Chris. And welcome to the Lack of Focus podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to another episode of Lack of Focus. I am your host, Ed, today for this particular show. I am joined by my amazing, fantastic, and wonderful co-host, one Mr. Sean Dorsey. Sean, how's it going, my friend? Good, Ed. How you doing? I'm fantastic. And, of course, our producer extraordinaire and soon-to-be roommate, we'll get to that in a minute, uh, one Mr. Chris Sheriff. Chris, how's it going, my friend? Good, thanks, Ed. All right, so it is my show this week, and in this particular episode, I was starting off with a nice, calm beginning of the year. Happy New Year, by the way. Uh, Happy 2023. Hope you've messed that up on at least three checks like I have already this year, and four lines of code I've had to go back and fix because of 2023. Um I was going to go with a nice little softball of, you know, gaming, New Year's resolutions, things that we want to do in the upcoming year. And then I started seeing this little story. We still are probably going to do that, most likely. Uh, But I started seeing this little story gaining some steam over the weekend on the open gaming license and Wizards of the Coast plan to defunct a now 23-year-old agreement with the um, gaming community and i'm like "Ah, maybe we'll toss it in there so i tossed it out there like on monday and lo and behold if you've been on the internet at all recently it's number three on reddit as i'm sitting right now trending it's number three on twitter trending right now um it's becoming a gigantic story so i at least wanted to at least toss my hat into the ring and have some of my thoughts and the guy's thoughts on that but we'll get to that so in the meantime what have we been doing lately sean what have you been up to lately um let me think. What have I done? <laughs> <laughs> I put some side art on my um, my 1.2 at games cab that's sitting behind me to the left of me. How, um, diff- how difficult was that? Uh, it's easy because they have it designed where it's like like it comes with holes in it and you put these little clear screws in it. So it's not like, like oh. true. It, it's it's literally designed for these and you know it's just a way you can change out your so if you wanted to change out your side art you could okay um, I, it's not like a vinyl sticker or something that you have to like lay down and like pop the bubbles in it's just more like literally you're pulling a panel off and putting a panel on yeah it's a vinyl so it is a vinyl slab but it it's not sticky now i am gonna i don't really totally like the look i mean i don't really care but I don't totally like the look, so I'm probably going to go buy some spray glue and then, you know, just put it on with glue. So it's tacked on. I mean, it's like I said, it's it's kind of funky the way that it works, but, you know, it's good enough if you're not really that worried about it, you know. So, But you kind of are, and you want it to look good. I get that. Kind of. I mean, you know, I have cats, so it's going to get screwed up at some point at you know when they realize the machines here and stuff so (laughs) i don't really care that much about it it's you know just it's just an aesthetic and when i bought my first at games cab um it was part of the package with that oh so So, you've had these sitting around for a bit and you just haven't used them yeah yeah so i decided to put it on the one that's upstairs instead of the one machine that's downstairs and the machine that's downstairs, you wouldn't see all of it anyway, because it's got a four-player deck instead of the standard two-player deck. And right. That one's upgraded a wee bit more than this one is. So, so for me, it's just you know I'll just uh, you know go with it as is for now till I get the wilder. I got I got a lot of other things I have to do first. So <laughs> before that, but 
Yeah, Matt, I haven't really done much gaming. I haven't had time with work and a few other things going on. So this week's been, we'll call it a quiet week for gamer. This two weeks has been pretty quiet for me. Yeah, got some, I feel, got I feel some, like getting back, getting back after the new year, all of a sudden you're like, oh, oh wow. yeah. Everyone's like, hey, all those meetings we didn't have for the last three weeks of the year, let's cram those all in right now. Yeah. Yeah. Then, you know, uh, I got some Zomboid in last night, but that's, you know, pretty much it. It's not like it's I anything. Saw I may have been playing other games. Yeah. I didn't see, but we'll yeah. get to mine. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw I saw you're playing uh, the one. Uh, Shogun. Uh, yeah. Shogun 2. Yeah, I see you pop on that every once in a while. And um, I actually bought it because it was on sale over the first of the year. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm, uh, well, anyway, we'll get there, but yeah, yeah I've, been, yeah. Uh, I've been hammering it. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I notice when I jump on, so. <laughs> um, but other than that, Ed, I haven't done a whole lot. I don't have a lot to really speak of. And right now I'm on drive through RPG, um, getting ready to blow some money on some PDFs um, of Dungeons & Dragons stuff, so. Well, that's good. I mean, like I said, myself, given the current topic, I've been perusing through some of the games I've been meaning to pick up and stuff I've been looking at. Uh, Paizo's Pathfinder 2nd Edition. We're talking the pregame show. I've, I have all the first edition stuff that I'd ever want up here. Love the game. Love that version of the game. Would love to go back to it at some point in time. But there's a part of me that wanted to support them. And luckily, maybe holding out for that might have been a good idea. We'll get to that later. Um, Chris? What have you been doing lately? Um, well, the in this two week block, where where does it take us back to? I can't remember now. We recorded on the right, right after Christmas. Yeah, it was right after Christmas. Um, so I've been ill. Um, Joe's been ill again. E- Evie's been ill again. Ella's been ill again because we're still on that merry-go-round. Apparently, um, I'm currently. I was off work this week, so I woke up on. Monday with but just one side of my throat was just sore I ended with the um, lymph nodes and an earache so my, I, I still I'm going to do it but we're not doing video so it's going to be pointless but I'm going to do it anyway but it's for Ed and Sean's benefit Sorry, yeah Ed. it's for our benefit That's I've, been, I've been going like <laughs> <laughs> trying to get just, your ears to pop and I'm not even get it to, just to see if it still hurts because every time I do it it hurts oh, like, oh yeah it still hurts you know what you could do? Just not do it. Yeah, you could. Yeah, leave it be and, you know, it'll maybe go away sooner, you know. But who wants to do that? Yeah. Um, so there's been that. Um, in between all of that, I finished, a, I mean, I finished 98% of the way we've done, but I couldn't be bothered bringing them back home. Uh, my Squig Hog Boys and... Um, so two units of squig hog boys, another knob on smash a squig. Uh, for I love my that mod. I love army. that. It's such a cool model. Um, so I played some 40k. Uh, I played against some plague marines and a death guard, and just um, ran headlong at them. And um, <laughs> yeah, that went really well. well. That's, the, that's the orc way. Well, it. My opponent won the roll off because we're doing Crusade. The uh-huh. mission was um, one of them is the attacker, one of them is defender. There's two objectives towards the center of the board, which are switches. So you have to perform an action on each one of these switches, which then activates the generators, which are in my deployment zone. 
then you have to get to my deployment zone to blow them up. Oh, that's a cool mission. Um, and like, so the attacker wins if they destroy one of them. I don't think I've ever like, and I've not admittedly I've not done enough crusade, but I don't think I've ever played that mission. It sounds really cool. No, why would you play fun games? Ed? you just got to you know dogfight scenarios. Uh, well, uh, we'll get into that whenever I get to my fighting is the purity. You know, forty k one point oh two point oh is where it's at. Donner is forty k two point five Milwaukee. <laughs> so you just get to have fun playing crusade games. Uh, but um, I I was a defender. He was playing death. I'm like, well. I've got no shooting, so I'm going to defend these by killing you in your deployment zone. So he went first, advanced, annihilated my unit of Gretchen, um, my unit of Grotz right away. There was one model left, which promptly ran away. No, they are uh, Grotz. No, no, sorry. Um, he killed seven. Two of them ran away, and then um, I had one left, which he just shot again next turn. I was like, oh, sad times. Yeah, but they're Grotz. That's what they're there for. Um, Miner. Miner is supposed to survive the game and claim your objectives. Oh, well, yeah, well, if that's what you're depending on, then yes, that would be problematic. Um, not really, not when you've got a million orcs in your face. <laughs> this is true, yeah, perhaps they were focusing on the wrong thing, like, hmm, well, I can yeah. kill those little guys, but those other guys are going to come in and kick my yeah, ass. I think he killed that. He killed seven of my beast snaggers in the first round. I've got a unit of 20. Um, and they just did it anyway, you know? they, I, He moved forwards a little bit and shot me. I ran forwards. To, I called the war, ran forwards, sweep, uh, did my advance roll, then charged, and then he died. Um, I think I murdered his last single model on turn three. He had Ooh. he had the champion left from his plague green squad, um, so I tabled him in turn three without him even flicking a switch. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. Whenever that new orc book first came out, this is before they did some of the nurse and stuff. They did like we were genuinely truly having trouble with that because they tend to be in close combat on turn one because they've got all these wonderful things that move really really fast and they can just charge and drop mortal wounds in as they're coming in it's pretty darn scary legitimately it's pretty scary i'm a big fan yeah sounds like you had a good time we saw pictures it looked really good yeah um he it was a good it was a fun game he launched um a plague barrage and he's got a miniature it's like just a grot right um not a grot like the uh nerglings riding a bomb like the um, Doctor Strange love, is it? Is that the reference? Yeah, like where, where he's got like the cowboy hat and he's riding yeah. it on the way down in. Yeah. Um, so he places that for where it's going to drop and then anything within six inches of that um, on a two-up takes some mortal wounds. I'm like, okay, well, I was going to charge this way with everything. Instead, I'm going to charge the other way. <laughs> um, so it just it funneled me in. But I it was my first game using the Squig Hogs. Oh, he had a Nurgle Defiler. Um, Ooh. And I was like, well, that's probably going to take some killing. So I charged. I did a combined charge into the cultists and the Defiler model, because obviously you, I had to to fit everyone in. Yeah, it's a, a, the big spider oh, legs are all there. Like, you got to come uh, back it, it, was a, it was a custom model, so it was converted out of... I feel like it was the old... Um, scarab spider uh, the big scarab popping necron thing 
but it was like four of them to make the, the base. So it was about the size of a rhino, so it was a little bit smaller, but what like, it had arms that came out of it and stuff. You're talking so. like the, the tomb spiders, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. It took me a second to draw like the spite the scarab popping. Oh, oh, that thing. The, the tomb spiders weigh scarabs, don't they? Yeah, they do. They do. For some reason, my brain went to the Turvagon no. in the in, yeah. in the Tyranid Codex because that spawns gods, and yeah. somehow that was the same equivalent. I don't know why. Yeah. It's in size. Uh, it is anyway. Yeah, it was about the size of a rhino with pincer arms, so it was a little bit smaller oh, is than this, a normal. Is this the game that you had? The the guy had the old school like third yeah. edition rhino. Oh god, I yeah. love those models. I love the old school rhino models. They're so yeah. cool. I, I will post a link to his blog in um in the discord because he has a lot of um he writes stuff and he's been doing a blog for years and um so yeah he might have written about our game i don't know i've not checked yet no i have to check it, but yeah it was cool but i my first unit i got two units of squig hogs into him and my knob on uh my beast boss on squiggersaw and the squiggersaw guy didn't need to attack <laughs> i was like yeah. oh okay I I overkilt you a little bit though. I did use um, the stratagem for like um, basically bring it down, kind of be snagger one where you have to pick a monster or a vehicle, and then three of your units and you get um, plus ones to wound. I think it is. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. I, it does realize make me realize how much better they are at writing ninth edition codexes now than when the arc one came out. Yeah, you had mentioned that, and I, I intentionally held off responding to that because I thought it'd make great conversation for here. Um, it, it depends on which book you look at. I would agree with your statement in principle, genuinely, truly, because when I look at, like, for example, my Necron Codex, which was whenever Ninth Edition dropped, it was Space Marines and the Necrons back to back, which made sense because they were in the Indominus box set, they're in all the starter sets. So you want to have those two codexes out first. I genuinely, truly believe, even though the the most recent update, which is getting ready to get changed, um, that kind of helped the Necrons as as codices kept coming out and coming out and coming out. You can see that the design philosophy changed. There's more interesting, cool stuff, more mortal wounds, more this, more that, that was not in my codex and didn't even, like, my, I oh. feel like my, it's very <laughs> underpowered. But then you get something like Gene Stealer Calls, for example, that came out in mid-cycle, and they're a very underpowered codex. So you do have that one or two that they toss out there that's kind of I mean, like... Well, so it's not as much a power of the book as it is the the re the internal balance of the book. So mm, as an example, that's probably a good, yeah. the listeners who don't really understand 40k or maybe don't play, just to keep it relevant, um, you can, in 9th edition 40k, plus ones do not stack. You can have plus ones from multiple sources, Correct. but they never... Like if you hit on a four and you have two plus ones, you will hit on a three, not a two. Correct. You it gives you redundancy against if your opponent has a minus one, that would cancel out one of your plus ones, and then you still get the plus one. Yeah, you can do all the math in the end, but eventually it yeah. only, it, it it works in reverse too. You're only ever going to get a minus one the other yeah. way. That's but, to prevent those dirty, dirty Eldar flyers that were like, "Yeah, you need sevens to hit us." Oh darn! <laughs> yeah, and it's fine. I I don't mind that as a rule. I think it's a good principle. But then when you write the so I'm playing a snake bite list, so I'm going to use the snake bite type models. Mm -hmm. So just by playing a themed army, like three of 
my things all give me plus one to hit. I'm like, well, that's useless. I've got three plus ones, but like you, you knew that you're releasing beast snaggers, which are going to be tre- trend towards being snake bites, and then you're releasing a beast boss, and they all give you plus ones to hit. Or you yeah. know, I'm, I may be if you know the rules inside and out, and I'm quoting it wrong, but it's there's so many things where it doubles up on stuff. Uh, yeah, and it's help. interesting because I think in other books it's more along the lines you get to re-roll ones or re like you yeah get to, like, like, stuff no, like that. nothing in my book gave me a re-roll one. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I don't, I do not have that. My aura from my war boss is plus one to hit. See, that's interesting because usually how it works, it's like if you're I, that, the, that's exactly what I'm saying. That was my, yeah. exactly my point. Ed. <laughs> the, the, so, I'm, for the listeners who may not know, so for like the higher leader levels, it's usually there's an aura of about six inches from the model that says you can reroll ones to hit and ones to wound. It gives you that extra bonuses to kind of do it. If you're the lieutenant grade, you only go in the rerolls to hit kind of thing. I'm genuinely truly shocked. I didn't I I, I obviously because that by that point in time Gabe had moved over to Death Guard and we haven't really looked a ton at the orc codex. I'm really surprised that that's how that functions. Because you're right, I agree with you. That's bizarre. Yeah. It's just I mean, obviously I've not made an optimal list. I've made a list of models that fit the theme that I was going for. Sure, sure. Across the table with my big red squigs and jump on you and bite you and kill you. Um but I'm like, look, it's winning. I don't care. <laughs> it's not a big deal. I'm having fun it, playing. I, I, I would tell you the same thing I told Gabe. They are the Mike Tyson of the 40K. If you can go, if you can't survive the first two rounds of them, you're done. They're going to kill you. They're going to knock you out in that second round, first round. But if you can survive that initial on charge, they die like dogs. Uh, if you get enough shots into them, they just they have no they have I any mean, sure you get your what six up involved because you're because you're a beast snagger as opposed yeah. to a, a boy. Ooh, uh, your t- your I mean, my favorite bit said uh, when I pay like points for my stuff for my oh like I get my ability where like, oh man you can't win me I'm better than a four up unless you strength eight or higher. So it affects two two strength bands out of yeah. all of them. Out of all of them. And, You'd um, be surprised, though. So, like, legitimately, if you start getting down to the math hammer of it, like, hitting on threes versus on hitting on fours, there's a 16% difference. That's a couple of... Oh, I, like, there, there is a significant... Yeah, I, I'm aware, because my <laughs> Nurgle army had it on everybody all the time. Yeah. Whereas in... Like, now it's like, oh, what weapon are you using? Oh, it's not called an auto cannon. Oh, well, it doesn't matter. Don't worry about it. I, I've got no... <laughs> I have no follow-up statement to the <laughs> No follow-up statement to that. Yeah. Oh, great. It's AP what? Doesn't matter. I've got a four. <laughs> yeah, it's Yeah, it's, it's six fine. up in bonus, whatever. Six up in thing, um, doesn't matter. They had a six up save to start off with, just to throw that up. So like, meh. Uh, no, not false, my Gretchen. Have a seven plus save. Ooh. I have to be in cover to get a save. To get it a save at all. That's the only way to get it. <laughs> yeah. Um, we played without armor of contempt, so my choppers were suddenly great again. Make choppers great again. It was good. Yeah, that's a big one that's coming from the new book that they're removing. They've removed armor of contempt, which is was a little bit of a crush that they kind of put in to kind of to stand up imperial armies as they weren't doing well, specifically space marines. That hurts my sisters. Um, so I don't know how that's how I'm going to react to that. To be honest with you, because they not only did they bump up, the oh, points, I like dogs. That's how you'll react to it when I charge you. Well. <sighs> 
to be perfectly fair, I feel like that blanket statement really affected things that it really shouldn't have. It made things weird. It made things like Thunderhammer, Stormshield, and Terminators are, or the um, Sacrosents for the, the sisters are worse than just taking sisters because you had Armor of Contend. Like, it, it made them redundant. Like, you're going to pay extra points for something that is the exact same thing as a battle sister does, so why would you do it? So now removing that gives you a reason to have a sword and board um, Thunderhammer, Sword Shield, Terminator, or the, the Sacrosaints yeah. and the Sisters, because now that two-up save is valuable again. Oh, no, I get it, and I, I'm I'm glad that it's gone. Uh, there's same. a couple of things. Um, it always seems stupid I, when it was done on vehicles, too. Like, somehow vehicles get to drop off in AP for some reason. Uh, I'm going to make a statement and then instantly nullify my statement, so don't rewrite it. That's okay. Um, but I do wish that they would do another run through of power level balance because uh, they have changed, they have done it because some of my stuff went up in power level mm -hmm. from what's printed in my book. But like generally, they just balance the points, not the power level. So uh, a Voltan player just feels terrible. Well, and from um, my understanding, is they do the points balancing twice a year. They do it every every six months, I think, is whenever they do the points balancing. But they're supposed to do power level balancing once a year. No, maybe. Uh, but the, you might see that in all, summer, all just, in time done, for, just in time yeah. for them to announce tenth edition. Well, we'll see. There's, we'll see. There's more on that, maybe. Maybe. Um, we we just had. I, we were discussing it in our in the Crusade Discord. I was like, well, just do just do a multiplier. If you feel like your army's too good, take a 0.8 multiplier. So if we're playing um, 40 power, you get 32 power. If you feel like your army's shit, take a 1.2 multiplier. I we don't I, I don't care. I I just want to push my models around and have fun. Right, right. And I I fully intend to use it for like players as well as like. But man, if you're losing all the time, take more points. I don't care. All I'll say on the leagues of Votan is it's the first time that I've ever, ever in my entire lifetime seen Games Workshop acknowledge the fact that they made a book so broken that they actually made a video poking fun at themselves, saying, "Oh yeah, yeah no, 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 we're we're gonna fix it. We're gonna make some points adjustments," and it didn't help. <laughs> um. So I'm. I don't want to make and you're this playing at power level, so like nothing got done. Like yeah, you're playing at full strength. So, yeah, and it's it just feels really bad for me specifically because it nullifies everything about my army. Yeah, yeah. It like it's not again. This is because of restrictions I placed upon myself, not because of anything Games Workshop did. But like my army relies on high toughness or like modifying your wound rolls with terrible armor saves. So Votan have got relatively low AP on the majority of their weapons, but they they get to wound you automatically on fours to yeah. hit. So I, the points I pay for my toughness don't count. Like I don't have a toughness value 50% of the time you hit me. Right, exactly. If it makes you feel any better, you're not no. the only army that gets abused by that. that those rules. Oh, no, but those other armies have armor saves as well. This is true. This is true. They do have some sort of some yeah. sort of recourse. I, not I, much, ha I have some. toughness five and six, and then terrible armor because I've got toughness five and six. Yeah, because that's how they balanced out the army. Yeah, that's why they're but, so cheap to be able to send a whole bunch of them. Because oh, you know, we'll just make them low armor save. That's always been the balancing cheap, factor for that. Yeah. <laughs> 
It makes me sad. I, I pay 10 power for 20 arcs. That Ooh. feels expensive. Yeah. Ooh, I did not realize they were that high. Yeah, it's 10 power for my unit of 20 beast snaggers. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, I feel like a rebalancing to be done. Yep. Uh, but it is what it is. It's fine. Um, then... You just enjoy uh, every other game you play except for the Votem player. That's all. No, I. So I've only played against him once, and he actually had seven power over because he'd done the math wrong. Um, oh, that makes it so even worse. It, it made me feel even better, Ed. <laughs> I was dying that quickly that it made me feel a hell of a lot better about my life. Like, oh, oh, I, I, yeah, I, I, we already knew it was going to be a disparity because doing a rough multiplier he had 300 points more than me then when we add in the seven power <laughs> he had he was playing like 1800 points i was playing about 1100 ish yeah that's a few like, uh, nine to eleven yeah but whatever it was fine it was fine um but uh, yeah, that's been good fun um we played some more Arkham Horror finally. We're running through the um the edge of the earth, so the Beyond the Mountains of Madness story arc, um, which has been fun. I'm playing as Norman Withers, who is um, an old professor dude. He's like in his eighties or whatever in the pictures, and like really long beard, uh, long white beard, really frail, and his like strengths are two. No. His strengths are two and his movements are one, and I'm in the Antarctic and I play and crashed. So one of the cards I've got is a trench coat. So I put my trench coat on first, and then I won't go outside until I've got my trench coat on. (laughs) So I've just ruined the game for everyone. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Uh, I'm staying in the cave. I'm not coming out. It's cold out there. Too damn Um, cold. I'm old. They all complain that um, I took the bad offensive spell. Because um, his deck building thing is it's an orange card, which is like the investigatory stuff. But he get after you've built your deck, if you want to upgrade, the only high level cards you can take are purple ones, which are all like magic and spell based stuff. So he like to represent him researching more into the um, occult and becoming a magic user kind of thing. Um, but I didn't take the best offensive spell. I took Wither. Because his name's Norman Withers, so then I get to <laughs> cast it and go. It's with a time. <laughs> um, Do you which, actually say you know, that every time you cast it? Because that's important. Every time. <laughs> um, and the the joke doesn't get old, despite what the other people in my group may tell you. <laughs> I find it funny every time I say it. <laughs> Yeah, and like, you all, you literally did this just so you can do that. So, no, no, honestly, I feel like this is better. <laughs> it's better for everyone involved. It, it, it was serendipitous in the end. It was. Um, so that's been good fun. Uh, then, I've, so painting did that. That um, I've spent a whole whole bunch of time doing bookkeeping again. So all of that is done. We're up to date for 2022. All of the accounts are done, and then I've now haven't. Yeah, everyone may or may not have noticed that there isn't an online store yet for Dice Hate, and that's because I've figured out that if I wanted to run a business, actually tracking inventory and knowing how much money I'm making is probably important. 
So kind of, kind of. Um, that has involved me having to go back and do my bookkeeping in a non-lazy way. So I had to activate um, inventory tracking in QuickBooks. And then I've had a whole year of selling stuff, like actual physical things, which I want to track inventory for, but I didn't. So I'm having to go back. I was saying to Sean, basically, to make a potion of healing, I use a bottle which comes in a pack of six for X amount of money. Then I use some resin, which comes in bottles of like two different things for mm-hmm. X amount of money. And I use X amount of a bottle in a potion that I need dye to put in it. Then I need a label to tie around it and a string to tie the label. Then I need two dice for potions of healing, four dice for greater potions of healing. 10 dice for Supremes, blah, 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 and different size bottles. And the QuickBooks that I have doesn't actually allow you to manufacture your own items. Really? Yep. Um, I could get that if I paid even more. I've already gone from having bought the software for a one-off like, hmm. fee to the subscription model so I can have um, Desktop Pro. But I believe to do it, that where I can actually be a manufacturer properly and may have it all easy cost. I think uh, I need to go to enterprise, which is a hundred and something dollars a month plus tax. Good lord. I'm like, you know what? Probably not. So I've kind of got a workaround of I'll bring in some of the stuff. So like the resin that I use um, is, um, a non-inventoried part, so I don't keep track of exactly how much resin I have. What? Yeah, because that's can... a that's an expendable item, you know. Yeah. So I have all of those as non-inventoried parts, but then like the dice, I want to know how many dice I have, so I can order more when I'm getting low. But then I you group make them all into a group, but then I had to go through and find like, okay, so what Amazon transaction did I buy those bottles on? And obviously, I definitely didn't buy those bottles at the same time as buying a book when I was also getting some vitamins. And, (laughs) you know, there's no way I'd have to go back and edit a whole year's worth of Amazon transactions whilst also creating all of the items and trying to figure out how they all fit together to make the group work and then having to rebalance it. Because when you get, I need the cost of one bottle, but I can only buy them in sixes. And obviously, when you divide something that costs like um, sixteen nine or seventeen sixty by six, then uh, you know you get uh, the ninety nines are always a good one. Where, so then yeah. I have to put the cost in as I think what is it one dollar and ninety uh, one dollar ninety nine zero four two cents or whatever so that when you do a multiplier it all works out to be correct because if if that's slightly off the amount of gst it would say i needed to pay on it would be incorrect i can't lie about the amount of gst because then the tax man will get angry that he will on the eighteen thousandth of a cent (laughs) so yeah i've been uh, going through doing all of that so i did a test luckily I managed to do a test on the Felder stuff that I brought in because I've only done one order from Felder. So I've placed my second one. I've only received one and I've only sold one batch of stuff to the Sentry Box and I've not done my... The store's not online yet, so there's been no other sales yet. 
So I managed to figure out how to go back and edit all of those transactions and it'd all be fine and still work. So that all that was my test case. Then I was like, I could do the next easiest one. And I was like, you know what? I should probably do the hardest one next and just get the, you know, start getting yeah. straight into meat of it. Um, but that's just, I need to get this done so that I can open the online store because that's the one thing that I need to get done this month, basically. And we're on the 12th already, so I need to stop procrastinating. Right, we are. Or, you're dating the show too, man, I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah, or what I mean, well, you're dating the show by picking this. Topic. I know, I know. You immediately date, that was my, the first thing I thought when you mentioned it, it's like, oh, oh man, this is going to be a very specific show. Yep, and by the oh. time it releases, there's going to be more information. I'm fully well aware yeah. to give that disclaimer. Um. But yeah, I also should probably have not, in the last two weeks, I've played 54.1 hours of Total War Shogun 2. <laughs> <laughs> um, so given that like, the game's been out for, what, 10 years minimum? Yeah. I have a total hours played on Steam of 66 hours, um, 66.4 54.1 of them were in the last two weeks. <laughs> um, I've I've put in about 100 hours into a, an old game from 2012 myself recently. We can t- I'll talk about that shortly. Yeah. Well, I've been... Um, so I'd been planning before COVID that I was going to run um, a Test of Honor campaign and do it like map-based and stuff. And I was like, oh, I could just steal a map from Shogun. That'd be easy. And then I was like, oh, man. then I've actually got to do stuff for the campaign. So, oh, well, I could probably like, <laughs> figure out clans and stuff. So um, I wrote, I posted it in the Discord. So there's a PDF document. I need to update it because there's a massive spelling error on the title. Uh-oh. But it was my first thing of um, kind of doing like rules supplements and things that I want to do on the website and like have them available as free PDFs for the Patreons and things like that. Um, but uh, yeah. That's all written up. I have, uh, let me pick it up. Uh, I I have my uh, my copy here. Look at that! That's on a campaign, all, all pretty with a map. Oh, you even took uh, pictures and everything. And it got like what the different what bonuses you get from different provinces, what clans control the provinces. There's rules for how to use um, like make your own clans up and stuff like that. Um, and then I've to keep it so that it can be like free and not worry about licensing issues and things. Mm, interesting uh, topic, yeah. Yeah, it just it references the official rule books and like this is a page you want to look to look at on the official rule book for more information on this stuff. And I've just used the like I've given keywords and not what we do. Gotcha. So if you want to know, you still need to buy the books if you want to be able to play it. But if you play it and want to have a campaign system, you can try this and then. The coolest thing. I also made uh, made this. Oh, look at that! Oh, wow! So it's it, a shame it's an audio only format, yeah. but look at this. This is so it is a three D etched map that is directly pulled from Shogun Two, with all the nice. provinces and the numbers, and then a hand drawn by myself map on acrylic. Yeah, overlay, overlay. Which is magnetic. So then you can color the overlay in. And say this red's got this, yeah. this and this, and blue's yeah. got this, and green's got that. I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, so I'll post some pictures on the uh on the Discord for that. Um, but yeah, that's gonna be pretty cool. I'm looking forward to getting that running. And 
Did I? Should I break? I, I, I have I have weeks that I've not signed NDAs for, but I did tell him that I wouldn't say anything, so I probably shouldn't. You know. So edit all that out. Pers- personal honor. But yeah, there's um there's stuff that I'm excited for, which may relate to this, that might be coming from a company who does stuff like uh, Black Powder Epic Battles and you know that kind of thing, like Black Powder. For people who don't know, is like um, Napoleonics onwards. Yep. Oh, that's and cool. they do they do epic battles. So there's like an American Civil War starter box and that kind of thing. Um, Warlord Games Dissolve also done. Um, they're just re-releasing Hail Caesar, which is the Ancients game. And then there's that there's a time period in between those two things, where which would be Pike and Shot. Um, which they have a game for as well, which is in the 28 mil scale, which, you know, painting 28 mil samurai armies could be a pain, <laughs> but they don't, they, they don't fit into Black Powder Epic. Right. So, you know, time it's, it's a shame that there isn't anything that could bring those two things together and hmm. allow me to do that. That would be cool. That would be I, cool. But I would never break my word to people and say stuff specifically. Nothing, nothing at all. I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, but well, I'm really you... excited about that. Yeah. Anything else to get you out of any potential NDA violating? Oh, I don't territory? have an NDA with all odd games. It's fine. Oh, oh good. I'm just on the phone with my sales reps. Great. Yeah, good. Awesome. I'm a big fan. Um, sorry, Dave. Love you. <laughs> um, I tried. I tried to get him out of it. <laughs> I didn't say anything. I'm just, I Not said that it, it's a shame. That if that I want to play big, massive samurai armies, I have to currently paint them in twenty in um twenty eight mil. Twenty eight mil, as a which to, like, I'm going to be doing for test of honor. But then that's just going to be a skirmish game. Like, if Warlord Games really wanted my money, I'd need like an, an epic scale version yeah, of an it. Eight mil scale, or is it eight mil or ten? Twelve, I, th- I think twelve for epic for Black Powder epic battles. Yeah, but yeah, it's good. Block, blocks of troops, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I've I can only say that I think that will look cool as fuck if I could have a twelve build samurai army with some Ashigaru and my cool. uh, Neo Neo samurai and oh yeah, like a feudal Japan kind. Oh, that would be that'd be badass. That sounds like a cool game. I mean, I would be. I mean, I'm already feeling like old man Chris, but I would fully embrace. I don't need Warhammer anymore. I don't need any of these <laughs> modern games. You, is, it, is that how it you've happens? Done your, you've done your clan symbols wrong. These aren't. They didn't actually have that color in feudal Japan. You have to paint them brown. <laughs> I always liked those the, oh, the epic I, scale armies. Like, oh, for you know, forty eight dollars, I've got I've, like. I've already seven... got my Osprey books. Ooh. ooh. Oh yeah, Ooh. I've got so many Osprey books about feudal Japan, literally, so that I can be researched for running these campaigns and doing stuff. Because I, I, so as a a spoiler, sorry to cut you off, Ed. That's um, okay. Shogun was one of my favorite games when that came out. Oh, that board game with the D12s. No, totally... no, no, Shogun Total War. Sorry. Oh, okay. The, original, gotcha, gotcha. So like the the first Total War game that came out was Shogun back in ninety eight, ninety nine. I want to say. Um, was that the like, big box? Was that the big box game? For the one that I was thinking of, yeah. yes, that's not what he's talking about. He's no, talking I'm talking about the computer game. So the, the Total yeah, War, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Series. That, yeah, 
yeah um but it was one of my favorite games and i played some and i'd spend ages like doing the t- the map based turns and that that balance between grand strategy and then the tactical depth of being on like commanding the troops on the battlefield it felt like the perfect um thing between something like um panzer general oh, and yeah. um warhammer shadow of the horned rat yeah. and dark omens which were two of games i also enjoyed putting them both together in one just got me hooked right away and that's where i got my my love of like the feudal japan stuff and uh doing all of that and then shogun 2 came out and i uh, that was when i wasn't really doing much video gaming i was doing more 40k that was 2011 i, I was um deep into um like getting the fuck out of the air force and um <laughs> like uh, all of that stuff going on so i, just, I never played um shogun 2 so yeah i picked that up because uh, i was uh, i was like i'll i'll just open it up and do some research yeah 54 hours <laughs> just later. just gotta research this campaign yeah 54 hours later and <laughs> um yeah i'm on my I took the Date clan to uh, the Shogunate and started crushing everyone. I was like, I'm going to restart and increase the difficulty and see if I can do it better. So I'm playing the Date clan for a second time. I uh, had a run through as the Iko Iki Rebellion and um, everyone hates you. And I go around converting the provinces to the Iko Iki version of um, Buddhism. And you get uprisings and like, yeah, this is cool. But I'd done my build order entirely wrong, so I had to restart that one. Um, so I, I'm on my fourth different campaign outside of playing the tutorial. Oh, and like Jill Jill sends me messages at like two AM. It's like you need to go to bed. Um I, I, I can't. I'm trying to overtake this province. You don't understand. Uh the one that is like <sighs> I, I still do it, and because I've been ill and not sleeping well anyway, so my, mm. my sleep schedule's just been messed up. Um, but I'll just click something, and there isn't any, there's no take backs. And I'm like, I didn't mean to pull that guy out of the castle. Oh, oh darn. Sad. Um, but yeah, I, I feel I've gone up to hard difficulty now, and I'm still, I'm still having to play the bigger battles on slow speed. Because I I don't have the uh, the micro and the micro management of the um, stuff at the minute. I'm still kind of getting that back, but um, compared to when I started, where I, it was I could only play a defensive battle, line up my Ashigaru and have my archers shooting, and then if anyone got around my flank, I just lost. Now I'm like, oh, gotta react, gotta come on, pivot here, wheel there, get these guys out on the flank, and it, yeah, it, it's <laughs> definitely it scratches that um, mass battle Warhammer itch as well um, surprisingly i never liked the warhammer total war games in spite of having put a bunch of hours into them because i'm just shit <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it doesn't function exactly like the miniatures game and i'm polluted by my love of the yeah. miniatures game so i do I just the stuff I would do and it doesn't work and then i assume that i just did that badly so try to do the wrong thing better doesn't actually improve my odds of winning. And then all of a sudden I'm just getting shit shit rolled and you know. Yeah. Whatever. But, yeah, I get that. It totally like throws you I had the same problems 
when I was playing the um, a real time strategy by my uh, Dawn of War series. Yeah. How it doesn't play like the tabletop does. Like I yeah. should be able to send a unit of Thunder Hammer Storm Shield Terminators into this, and they should be fine. And oh shit, they're they're not. I, I like, needed to uh, slow the game down. Click on the stats. Read the stats of this unit. Quick, yes. That unit. Yes, yes. And you're like, wait. So I genuinely, truly struggled uh, playing through those games the first for the first time uh, for a while because it doesn't play like I think it should play as it would play on the tabletop. Yeah, that that's it. It's definitely a, well, this is how I think it should work. And as, <laughs> yeah. as we already established, I'm a stubborn, grumpy old man now. So the way I think <laughs> something should work is how it works and <laughs> if it doesn't work that way there is an error somewhere that i will never ever find or acknowledge <laughs> um yeah that, that's been me oh, uh, i'm sure, sure there is other stuff but we'll uh we'll cut it well, like, we're already 45 minutes in so that's okay for me i haven't been doing a ton uh, i did schedule I had not one but two games scheduled at my local game store because, thank God, in 2023, I get my days home working from home back. So I get two days at home, three days in the office, which means that I got my Tuesdays back, which means I got miniature game night back, which means I was super, super excited. I'm on Discord, the local Discord. I'm setting up, all right, Gabe's got a game. I've got a game. As soon as, like, Tuesday, I'm going to close the lid, and boom, I'm going to be there and go play games. And then, like, 45 minutes before... I was getting ready to end the day. I got messages saying, oh, yeah, um, the, we can't make it. Car trouble, blah, blah, blah. We'll, we'll catch you next week. I'm like, oh. And then I'm like, oh, well, is anybody else got anything? Well, they're doing Crusade, but everyone's got games booked. Oh. And admittedly, I've not been there since the end of October, so I get it. You know, everything moves on. So I ran that option of, well, I can go up there and just hang out with the guys, which would have been fun, I'm sure. Or I have other things I can do, and I decided to do other things but that having oh, been does said, that mean i yet again played more 40k than the person yet again played more 40k than yeah. I yes 100 yes. my hope is that that's going to change because the new um tournament uh, gt pack comes out this weekend so i'm going to be up to the game store at least at minimum to pick that up and then um we'll be trying out the new missions and new stuff uh starting on tuesday so i do have games scheduled uh from that point forward you so, could just it, join the crusade, uh, join the dark side. Well, sorry, join the light side with me. Well, it's not that I wouldn't. The, so there's a lot of legwork that goes into setting up a crusade army before you get there. And I have not put that legwork in. I have, I think, a, I think I have a Necron crusade army put together that I probably could have blown the dust off and taken up, up there. But I really wanted to play the sisters. And I've not done the work to put a Sisters Crusade list. So I've given myself homework over the weekend is to have one built and ready just in the, just in that eventuality of they're only playing Crusade at the store. Somebody wants to play Crusade. I need to play a Crusade army. So I need to have that prepared and ready. So I will have that done um, for next week. That's my that's one of my goals for this weekend. You know what? A really, really sad thing about um, Art Crusade uh so again i'm playing beast snaggers so the mm -hmm. old ways are the best so i have zero vehicles of course all of the fun stuff for art crusade um, is is collecting scrap and doing custom jobs on your vehicles oh and then uh, your war boss when he gets more powerful and gets advances you can give him extra strength or extra stuff toughness to up to two each and but he goes up one power level it doesn't say crusade level. 
So if you're playing points, nothing happens. If you're playing power level, I have to drop a unit of Gretchen to because my war boss now costs more. And because I'm playing the war boss yep. on Squiggasaur, he's got nine wounds. If I take the wound upgrade, I have oh, ten wounds. And now you can and no longer wound. be looked out absurd. No. <laughs> So you're out in the open with your ass in the wind. Yeah. So I no longer get to advance my war boss because he'll just die. Yeah, because he'll be selected out, of yeah. course. Yeah. And I don't get to do a scrap stuff. So the two things I have don't happen to me. Sounds like so, you just need to get yourself like a truck or something. Well, what I'm what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna start a second patrol. Um so it'll still be the same. I mean, obviously on the, the crusade roster, it's irrelevant. Right. But when we play, I will use two combat patrols rather than a bigger army. And then I can have a second clan, and that will be led by a mech. And I'll have, I I was going to do a bunch of killer counts and death dreads. Oh, that's, Ooh, that's my, a great idea. Oh, my friend Bill's already doing death dreads and killer cans. Uh, so... Basically, everyone seems to be doing orcs now. I, I made them cool again. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but, so the good thing is, one of the um, this is just me talking again. Sorry, that's okay. No, I'm fine. Uh, one I of don't the have cool to carry this. <laughs> yeah. One of the cool things about Orc Crusades is if you play another Orc player in the Crusade, one of the things you can spend your requisition points on uh, after the game is you fight for me now. You instantly gain five XP, and you get to um, put five power level into your list. Oh, that's awesome. I thought so, you were going to tell me it was something like you get extra teeth or something like that. No, you get, if you, so whichever Orc player wins, if you're playing Orcs, gets to spend two requisition and they, the war boss gets more XP. And so the general for the battle gets more XP and you get to just make your list bigger. Just for, so, that's awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. You, you fight for me now. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Uh, other than that, uh, I, I, like I said, attempt, there was an attempt made uh, to do some gaming. Other than that, I, I finally polished off my second playthrough of Mass Effect. The Mass Effect trilogy is my Feminine Shepherd version. I romanced Liara for those who are interested the whole way through the game. Um, ton of fun. I, I have a suite of games that I play every year. Every year, I will pick that game up, play it once from the beginning to the end, and then kind of put it back down for the rest of the year. Alien Isolation's on that list. Castlevania Symphony of the Night's on that list. Um, Silent Hill uh, 1 and 2 are on that list. I think I'm going to end up putting the Mass Effect trilogy on that list. Like, I legitimately have completely bought into the story, completely bought into the universe. I really like everything they did. I need to step away from it now. Like, genuinely, I got towards the end of the second playthrough after putting somewhere in the neck of the woods of almost 200 hours in since November when I started playing this, I'm getting to that point of fatigue where I'm like, all right, I just want the game to be over and I want to move on to something else. Um, but it is, it's really good, really fantastic game. I totally now get what all the big deal was and why everyone enjoyed the game as much as they did back then. So I can genuinely consider myself a Mass Effect fan. And now I need to walk away from it and find something else. I have Christmas games that I haven't even played yet. I mean, we're in mid-January. I've got Callisto Protocol upstairs. Haven't touched it yet. <laughs> so that's going to be on, like, on my list. That's all I've really done this video. I haven't done a lot. I, mean, I feel like such a schlub. I haven't really done much of anything since I've been on this schedule. Like once my Tuesday night gaming's kind of got taken away from me, um, because of work and having to be at work all the time at that time frame 
I don't know. I need to get back in the loop. That's what it really needs to be. I need to get back in. I need to get back into the tables and doing something. Um, admittedly, with the topic that we have coming up, there's a lot of me that's like, maybe I need another, maybe we need another campaign, another role playing campaign. I need something. I need something on a fairly regular basis to get me back into my gaming groove and get me away from the PlayStation. That's what I need. Yeah, I need to to give up Shogun too. I, I I just can't quit it, man. Not yet. I, I am the Brokeback Mountain memes on Shogun too. I can't quit you, man. I can't quit. <laughs> Well, it got so it's gotten so bad. So, like, I've beaten the game twice. I did it once as a male shepherd, once as a female shepherd. Go through because I wanted to see the different stuff and see what the different romances are like. There are achievements on the game. If I wanted to platinum the game for like beating the game on insanity mode, like one, two, and three, beating them on insanity, and I started to play through that, and that's when I know that I've got a problem. I've got like like why why am I doing this tonight? Why am I going to go through and play a third playthrough on the hardest difficulty? just because there's an achievement for it no no i need to step away i need to step away put the controller down all right so let's get into one of the two sub main topics for the evening i do want to preface this conversation we're going to be talking about the the leaked documentation of wizards of the coast new proposed ogl 1.1 i do want to preface this entire conversation to protect my friend chris as much as possible um we are not a lawyers I am not a copyright lawyer in any way, shape, or form. Everything that I'm going to be saying is going to be pure speculation and opinion uh, moving from this forward. Uh, two, this is a leaked document that has not been validated or verified by Wizards of the Coast. So it is pure speculation. Um, now, there's some reputable sources that are saying that it is indeed the proposal that Wizards of the Coast put out, but we don't know that for sure. So everything that I am going to say from moving forward has the caveat of subject to change and potentially not true. So I'll leave it at that. A little bit of history. So in case you've been haven't heard or haven't seen, like I said, it's been rolling around. Uh, Wizards of the Coast uh, in the last week or so uh, had sent out to a lot of their third party developers a new OGL 1.1. So to get a little bit of backstory on what the OGL is, the OGL originally came out with uh, third edition Dungeons and Dragons, whenever Wizards of the Coast first acquired the license for Dungeons and Dragons. I think a lot of people are kind of, who are reporting on this are kind of forgetting that part. Um, the fact that they came in and swapped, swapped in and purchased Dungeons and Dragons from TSR. They are the ones that saved <laughs> this hobby uh, that we have from going into complete irrelevancy whenever TSR had driven themselves into the ground. As part of that, they were fully well aware that they weren't going to be able to put out enough content to satiate the Dungeons & Dragons fans, so they decided this, the solution to that would be an open gaming license, which was a royalty-free, perpetual license that allowed um, publishers to produce content for Dungeons & Dragons with the blessing of Wizards of the Coast. Now, there were some caveats to that OGL. There are certain things that Wizards of the Coast hold the license for that are uh, their own intellectual property. So, for example, you can't make modules that involve Beholders because a Beholder is a solely owned by Wizards of the Coast. Very similar with things like Mind Flayers. You can't write um, modules that are or adventures or campaigns that are set in the Forgotten Realms. Things like that. Stuff that is theirs completely. But the mechanics behind, at the time, 3rd edition that moved on to 3.5 edition Dungeons & Dragons were open for everyone to use. So I could write a monster, for example, or several monsters that could be compatible with 
Dungeons and Dragons third edition on to 3.5. This license has, I mean, there's a few other caveats to it, but that's the general gist of it. This has kicked off a series of multiple, very successful, for the most part, third-party publishers. There are a whole bunch of and I, I'm, I'm not saying this disparagingly. Some of them describe themselves this as themselves. Guys in the basement who just wrote a module or two and sold it on drive through RPG. They're like, they're one guy. They're their own art department. They're their own editing department. You do have those small, you know, individual, individual third-party developers. But then you have larger ones. You know, companies like Paizo, for example, is probably one of the most famous. Uh, Kobold Press, um, Green Running Games, things like that, that took this OGL that was put out and built stuff on top of it. Paizo famously produced a whole bunch of adventure modules from the third from third edition 3.5. And when Wizards of the Coast decided to go a different direction with fourth edition, elected to keep all the stuff that came in the SRD, which is all the combined rules and monsters and stuff, and made their own quote unquote game built on the architecture of that, known as Pathfinder, which is still around and still running. They are in their second edition right now. But other develop other publishers have done that. So for 23 years, this stable um, environment for publication into the game has existed. It benefits both Wizards in the fact that it brings visibility to the to the game, brings players to the games, and it helps the publishers, of course, because they don't have to build their own game system. They're just building for a game system. There is a gigantic win for a publisher to be able to say 5e compatible on current um, publications that they put out, anybody in the game store that would pick that up and say, oh, this is 5e compatible. I can take my 5e player's handbook and all the books I have for 5e, take this book, put them together. They're absolutely compatible. It's a win-win for both organizations. Wizards has decided to take a very different stance. Um, as some of you may be aware, that uh, Dungeons & Dragons has announced one D&D, which, as they claim, is not 6th edition. I don't know that I necessarily agree with it. Um, but one D&D is going to be the next step in the next evolution for what Wizards is going to be doing. And accompanying that and their gigantic purchase of $154 million to buy beyond D&D, uh, have elected to take a look at the OGL and make some changes to this error, to this perpetual license that has been out there. I do want to play devil's advocate for just one moment and say that I get it. Wizard of the Coast is owned by Hasbro. Hasbro is the parent company that owns these two organizations, owns Wizards of the Coast. They are not doing very well. In fact, if you looked at their last year's financials, you can see that they are down 40% in sales. And what's basically propping the company up is Wizards of the Coast. Magic the Gathering sales, Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons and Dragons is in its heyday, probably a heyday that I have never seen in my lifetime, even whenever I was a gigantic big nerd. It wasn't nearly as mainstream as it was. You have organ you have you know Twitch streams like Critical Role that have their own TV show. You had and I hate saying it, um, you had COVID where everyone was stuck inside and had nothing else to do. So what were they doing? They were playing games online and they were playing D&D online through virtual tabletops like Foundry or Roll20. The point is that Wizard sees financial issues, uh, Hasbro, that is, sees financial issues, needs Wizards of the Coast to bring in more money. So they want to monetize D&D more. And admittedly, the OGL is something that is bleeding money away that could otherwise be coming into Hasbro's coffers. I get the financial decision behind it. 
So if this is something that they wanted to do, I would think that they would moving forward. But what they're trying to do with this new OGL is basically cancel the existing one, basing and making it unauthorized so that nobody, all of these third-party publishers who can publish all this material are no longer able to do so under the new license, under the old license. They need to do it under the new license. And the new license is not as open as it might seem. Um, again, leaked documentation, don't know. There's a couple of key points on this I do want to point out in the documentation, but I've been talking for a bit, so I kind of want to let Sean and Chris kind of chime in here before I start getting into some specific insidious phrasing that is in this documentation i mean it's very hard for me to like have uh, to share the consensus opinion that seems to be online that like this is a terrible <laughs> i thing. know i was kind of curious to see how you're because usually you're my counterfoil usually you're like well yeah well what about like like you look at it from their perspective there are reasons for this and it's kind of interesting to see like i was kind of curious to see what angle you were going to take on this one it's twofold like i agree and i full disclosure this whatever changes happen would affect a potential revenue stream for dice that i was looking to explore this year um where i wanted to be working on doing like custom modules it's something i enjoy doing like doing encounters and things like that um and i was going to start building content around it and then having the final thing available for purchase so I, I do have a horse in the race, but like anything in the world, you play by the rules. And like, I, because I haven't started, so I'm not, I don't, I don't really know what the old rules are. So I don't know what the new rules are gonna, you know what I mean. I'm mm -hmm. not having to change my model. It will just be set up under whatever the thing is. It doesn't really bother me. I, I can understand that, like. From from the hearsay, what I and Ed's done more work in this, so feel free to correct me if anything I say sure. is like definitively wrong. But I believe there's a cap on the revenue. And sure. Then, so I can get to that part. So, so I, if I believe it was seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars, so three quarters of a million. Again, so if when you, you start paying royalties. If you assume that the verbiage that is provided in the quote-unquote leaked documentation that they have out there is accurate, there's actually levels that go yeah. to this. Um, anything under $50,000 in gross revenue per year is royalty-free. You can absolutely yeah. go through and make those. There's no there's no um, royalties due to that. When you start getting into a higher level, which is that $750,000, anything over $750,000 um, per year uh, will incur a 25% royalty fee on any money's beyond that yeah so if you're oh, a small-time uh, publisher it's probably not going to affect you in those small things as long as you're making under fifty thousand dollars a year it's not even that it's like okay so again this this the problem is people don't know how tax works which is the fault of the school system but you, the words you said to me the uh every dollar so if i earn seven hundred and fifty thousand and one dollar I will owe them 25 cents. And it's very funny that you point that out because that is the exact scenario that they use inside the wording is that if you earn $750,001, they even say this in sections. Yeah. In section I, C, I've not read it, so this is literally just me. Yeah, no, it's, like, it's, it's I know you have it, which is amazing that you win it. So here's the comments, and I'll read it verbatim from their paperwork. Again, 
alleged leaked documentation. We want to be crystal clear about this. Royalties are not are only due on revenues above seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. If you make seven hundred and fifty thousand and one dollars on a licensed work in twenty twenty four, you owe us a grand total of twenty five cents or twenty cents if you funded it through something like Kickstarter. Um, there is a provision in there if you do something on Kickstarter because there's a ton of Kickstarter yeah. products out there. That the I mean, I, are I agree with that as well because I believe that Kickstarter is evil and uh, is. Well, and they have like a thirty percent cut too. But, so, like, so that's a different conversation. But yeah, my general feelings on Kickstarter are that its long term will be bad for the industry of gaming because it messes up supply chain, right? And this is the old, um, oh my, you can't have cars because, you know, think about the people. What somebody think about the horse trainers. Um, right, right. You know what I mean? So like, if technology it were, advances, blah, blah, blah. But, if it yeah. were just that. And I think we kind of pseudo hit on this whenever there were original, the original rumblings hit on this, on the last episode yeah. that we recorded. Um, about how their virtual tabletop was going to roll and how they were going to try to monetize a microtransaction that which we don't know if that's true or not um, i could see that happening um but yeah, I, no, this is what i said they would probably do i believe yeah exactly yeah so where they start getting into some of the more insidious language aside from the fact of them canceling what was stated to being a perpetual contract from the original ogl from 2000 Nixing all of that out is some of the other additional language. Now, some of the stuff originally I do kind uh, of agree just, with. Just, just let me finish my general. Oh, thing sure, sure. My, so I, I, my feelings are that if my business model relies upon me making more than three quarters of a million dollars off of somebody else's IP for free, I don't think the management of their IP is a problem with my business model. Correct. Correct. Like, I'm not saying that this isn't going to drastically affect the current landscape and environment, because it will. But I don't know that I care. And that's harsh. And we had, me and Sean had a bit of a chat about it before you jumped in, Ed. I was uh, referencing a couple of different things, but like trying to frame it as an X-Wing thing. It's easy to think of this as something like, oh, well, if you like, you can't make acrylic tokens now because it, they're taking away your ability to do that. It's like, well, this is closer to you can't 3D print ships and write rules for them and then sell them as X-wing ships. Correct, and I th and that's why but, I started so off sell them specifically as X-wing compatible ships using all of the language from X-wing, using Correct. all of the the terminology like having the focus token symbols on your cards all of that stuff and then going oh man why why, why would disney do this to me mm -hmm. all right and i and that's why i cracked open this conversation when i started was legitimately i understand what they're trying to do they're trying to bring their ip back under their own house i don't necessarily fault them for that moving forward from one D and D moving forward, I would a hundred percent agree with this. It's the invalidation of the previous contract, which had been under the original agreement, perpetual. I don't under that's the one part that I don't understand. It gets, I mean, so there are a couple of good pieces in here that I do care for, I do enjoy. 
Um, one of the things in the comments that they put into here is if you attempt to use the OGL as a basis of, re uh, of release in blatantly racist, sexist, homophobic, transphobic, bigoted, or otherwise discriminatory contract, we can discontinue your contract for any reason. Totally understand that. I'm a little iffy on the wording on the otherwise discriminatory content because it's a little bit of a vague term for me, which to me says that anything that you put out that Wizards doesn't like that they find that they don't care for, they can just find a way to get around that. That's a little bit too open-ended for my liking. Um, the, the problem with language like that is that the content, like in the last seven years, the the environment in which content is made has changed. Sure, sure, a hundred percent. They don't want people making, and they're yeah. not going to use the N word. Uh, army that may have been in the nineteen forties in Germany, they don't want to make that particular content being attached to their IP. Sure, it's not. It's, totally not stuff, get that. Like, it, it's like the the rewriting of Curse of Strad is a a good reference point. Like Wizards basically pulled the hardcover of Curse of Strad and released a new box and rewrote it. To take out the like Vistani people aren't the real people; they're made up, don't exist. But the, the references for those people are clear, and mm -hmm. every interaction in the book makes them out to be like mostly evil, mostly drunken, mo you know. Sure, well, they, sure. They, they, it's the, stereo and, the stereotypical yeah. side, yeah. Yeah, sure. And I support that. I like I said, I'm a little iffy on the ver the vague wording at the end of there for anything of the other that falls into the other category. But for the rest of it, everything I 100% agree with. It's when we start getting into some of the other verbiage, and I'm going to get into section B, which is on page 14. If you you can you can find the v uh, PDF document. Section B states, "You own new and original content you create. Period. You agree to give us non-exclusive, perpetual, in irrevocable, worldwide, sublicensable, royalty-free use of that content for any purpose. Meaning, yeah. yeah, I mean, you're you're signing away your artwork or your your modules if you make and things like that without any monetary gain to you, but that's so, still using their their product. Well, you know, I, I have an example of what this would allow them to do for you. So they they purchased D D Beyond. Mm-hmm. You, you can buy content on D D Beyond. Mm-hmm. If they put your content that you made with their IP on D D Beyond to help you sell it, you could then charge them for using your image. No, because you're giving no. them non no. they exactly. But if you didn't give them that right so they, they're going to take it by this by this from everything that i read today that they're just going to take that once you, uh, once what, you... I, what i'm saying though sean is uh if they didn't specify that in a legal contract which is what this is yeah you you can assume that everyone would want their stuff to be on the and like it's literally an avenue for you to make more money but spoiler if you write a shitty module that sells two two instances a year you're going to make more money suing D&D &D and Wizards of the Coast for stealing your artwork of your module to put on their thing than you would selling that module. Yeah, I get that. I, so I that, that's that. literally why it says it, but yeah. that, do, that doesn't mean that it's not bullshit because <laughs> everything to do with corporate language and law and all of that can be read as utter bullshit, but that's normal. Like the the industry standard, like 
NDA thing of like, oh, so I have a good example here would be um, if you are a player of a professional player for League of Legends, as part of your contract, the the Orgs and Riot take in perpetuity the uh, the rights to use your image, um, your voice, every everything about you in perpetuity. Mm-hmm. And what that means is is when they do a shitty promo where you're featured playing the game and going yeah when you win, they can use that footage in right. the promo video. But what it also means is when you go and move on from that game, start playing a different game, and then get a, a sponsorship from Nike for some trainers, they can go, whoa, 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 we own your image rights. <laughs> so which one of those two things is it? Because one of those things seems pretty reasonable. The other one of those seems, things seems pretty fucked up. Yep. So the, the irony of all of this, though, to me, is that this doesn't affect the average person. So. No. So I would and this dis- this is what's driving me nuts. So I disagree with that, but go ahead. I'll let you finish your point. So here's the deal. So if you, Chris, I, and two other people decide we're going to play D and D, and let's say I'm the DM for D and D, and I choose to make my own world, use my own, use my own modules that I create, everything else, using sure, homebrew campaign. Everybody does it all home, the time. Absolutely, homebrew campaign. There's nothing that this licensing is going to do unless we choose. Well, first, if we put it on YouTube, there could be an effect if we put it on YouTube. If that's a and if it makes money on YouTube, that's B. Okay? So the standard there's show, no stipulation you, that you have to make money, by the way. But I get continue. that. I I do get that. But here's the thing. Let's just say I, as the DM, decide I'm not going to publish anything. Anything that I make is literally for these campaigns, these storylines, but I'm not going to publish it. I'm not going to put it anywhere. I'm not going to do anything. Ultimately, you're just a you're just a YouTube channel that is playing D&D. You're playing homebrew D&D. You're right. And, it, I, and they're I, not going to come down and they're not going to put the, you know, if I want to put a beholder into my campaign, I'm I'm going to do it and we play it on YouTube. I don't monetize the module. It's not going to have any effect in the world. The only thing that would is if we blew up, which we're, it's not going to happen. You know, it's just like the old, the yeah, old we're not, adage. We're not Matt Mercer. We're not Critical Role. We're not. No, there, there are a handful of people that are even co- coming close. We don't have professional voice actors. Yeah, no. Right. I, you know, and, and that's the whole thing. The average Joe will have no effect on any of this. Like today, I've seen people uh, uh, cancel your subscription to D&D Beyond. That's mm-hmm. that's one of the big things I've seen today by the the community or whatever you want to call it, and this is what I'm getting sick of about communities is that I I you know I I'm not involved in or a part of like out in the world part of the arcade the retro arcade community, but all they do is shit on the companies that make the games because they're not making the games exactly the way they want them to be made. You know, and I'm not talking about the actual physical games. I'm talking about the cabinets, you know, doesn't have the perfect monitor. It's not the doesn't have the perfect picture, whatever. That's all that I hear today in these communities is everybody bitching, moaning and griping. Yet really and truthfully, the people that this is going to affect are the people like Critical Role, Mm -hmm. like some of these other ones that are similar to Critical Role that do make money, that have published stuff with TS or with uh, Wizards. And that type of stuff, and 
how how does this how does something like this changing affect 99% of the people playing D&D? Okay, allow me to perform some counterpoints for you. So first and foremost, uh, one of the things that you want to keep in mind is that right now, Dungeons and Dragons or Dungeons and Dragons adjacent. I'm going to say Dungeons and Dragons adjacent. So I'm going to define just before you just before you go, Ed. Sure. So if Critical Role had to pay wizards a, li- a royalty fee for using D and D in their stream on Twitch, wizards would have made three million three hundred and twelve thousand five hundred dollars. Do you know how much money that leaves for Critical Role? Because it's only that, 25%. Yeah, like 7 million, somewhere in the neck of the woods. You know, oh, over 10. Yeah, over 10. Yeah, because they still made that, hun- that first 7- 755,000. They got, they got tax-free or royalty-free. Sure did. J- just saying, you know. Like, well, so- I- I'm a huge fan of Critical Role. Same. I... Don't know that I would be sad if some of the fourteen million dollar revenue got cut up between some other corporations, because I don't believe that Critical Role is a person or people. It's this a company. Is, this is the corporation. It has a CF. It has a yeah. Sure does. Oh, it, All right. So Sean, to allow me to give you some some counterpoints, I'm gonna again to get back onto the train that I was on. So you have D and D and you have D and D adjacent. D and D adjacent. I'm going to define as any third party publisher working with or working inside of the current OGL that is publishing material. Uh, That's 85% of the market share today for tabletop role-playing games. Uh, Prior to that, prior to 5th edition, D&D was kind of in the 50% range. They were actually being overtaken by a competitor, Paizo, uh, during the 4th edition era as Paizo was producing um, Pathfinder. One of the reasons a lot of people, and I don't know that I necessarily agree, I'm only stating what the reasons that they're giving, um, that a lot of people believe that D&D is as popular as it is, is the access to some of the third-party information out there. That Because some of these third parties are actually producing much better, much higher quality modules, much higher, more interesting stories, are coming into the 5e system and bolting these things on top of it it's a better market for them but how it would affect you are correct in the fact that if i'm just average doe DD player i play physical books i play around a physical table all the time and i'm an oem dungeons and dragons player i can't tell you the number of things i have over here that's third party but it's probably a very small percentage mm-hmm. of all the stuff a lot of the stuff that i have here all quote unquote oem <laughs> TSR slash Wizards of the Coast, Dungeons and Dragons. Is it going to affect me personally? Probably not. I don't publish material. I don't make money off of the game. I play the game for fun. If I'm just playing yeah. around the tabletop, I'm good. Well, I've got a good one for you, Ed. I went and grabbed it. So I I ran Curse of Strad for you guys. I'm glad you're getting to this because yeah. this is exactly so where I'm going. I, I used Curse of Strad book. That was 63, 63.95 Canadian. Then, did you like fighting a spider? Was that sure a good did. fight? Sure, that was a great fight. I like that. I, I spent um, fifty nine ninety nine US on the uh, Sandy Peterson's Cthulhu Mythos Five Edition Fifth Edition Fantasy compatible. So there you go, third party, perfect. Did you did you like a bunch of traps that were just laid around? Because I got two books of traps. You know, there was Nord Games' Five E compatible one, which is forty US dollars. Third party. 
there was um this is a new one i don't think i used this one in the campaign but there was another one for uh, traps puzzles and dungeons for another 29.99 canadian or 22.99 us who uh who was the publisher for that just this sure. one was um jeff ashworth so i don't know uh, this is part of a games masters books of so i believe they do um the monsters know what they're doing and those kind of books oh see i believe i'm not sure i may be wrong see, on but, that. all right so you actually have a much better example than i do you have a bunch of third-party products sitting in front of you just for one campaign that you ran yeah so i like let's assume that i give uh wizards the money for my um for my player's handbook my game master guide and monsters my monster Man. manual and the curse of stride book oh you know um I, I yeah okay specifically because we ran curse of Strad, we're probably at about three fifths of the money i spent went to uh wizards sure. and, and and that doesn't also include all the money that your your players spent on players handbooks all of that mm-hmm. that that also is included in all of that too sure so in an in-person campaign, how many people do you think own players' handbooks? DM and four players. So when I go into the game shop here in Omaha or in Bellevue, when I walk in, usually all of them have it. Yeah. So there could be a table of 10 yeah. and every single one has it. Yeah. And that's and for me, oh. I would consider if if as a player, I feel like that's a bare minimum. I I disagree. I, I play. I mean, these are things good, that I see. These are yeah, things that I, I see when I go in. I played a good three months, of, and I work at a game store, got a discount, and have easy access to it. Mm-hmm. But like, I played a good few sessions without owning it, and probably I don't believe I've read it yet. That is in red cover to cover. Oh really? I've looked wow. at the rules for what I needed for my players' hand. Yeah, I mean, the majority of what you're going to do is player creation. Now, yeah, admittedly, that, my experience is a little bit older, but whenever I was playing in the RPGA, we were playing like we were doing those modules you know, on a Saturday kind of thing. Every player around the table had players' handbooks, every one of them. And like if you had a supplement and you were bringing a rule to the table that you know wasn't a standard book, you'd have those with you as well. Like I, my entire 3.5 collection. Oh, yeah. I, I, I would expect the more like in a standard D&D campaign, the DM bears ninety percent of the cost. A hundred percent agreed. Which is one of agree the agree with reasons, that. hundred percent. Yeah, one of the things that I think the I think it was the CFO or was the CEO of Hasbro had mentioned about monetizing the players because the DMs do tend to have more of the upfront cost for playing for the books. But to continue on with that example, we played our campaign online. We used Roll Twenty. Yeah. Roll Twenty is a for-profit organization I had that produces Curse Strat again, by the way. So Wizards it's... got that, the cut of that money. Correct. So in, Roll Twenty, in defense also... of the, the players, we did all chip in for all of the modules for Roll Twenty. Sure did. But my point is that Roll Twenty is a virtual tabletop. They are a for-profit organization. You paid them for some things as well. Yeah. If they don't agree to this which i can't imagine that they would given that they're basically giving over all of their rights and wizards can basically take them from them at any choosing and i forgot to get to read the line where they're you're basically waiving your right to a jury trial despite any claim or cause of action related to that's impossible 
I agree. I agree. It can say it, but the thing that um, said. When you go to Europe, you go to other countries, they have consumer rights laws that that won't hold up. You know, it's just the same thing. I 100% agree. I'm telling you this is what they put down. (laughs) I know. That's fine. Uh, You have to understand that um, all it doesn't mean what it says. It's a tax on saying it or or trying to say against it. Because if you've got enough money, you'll get it to a jury trial. Sure. 100%. They've got more money than you. But you only have to have enough to get there. The point that I'm trying to arrive at is for those people that do play OEM uh, D&D, but you play it on a virtual tabletop like Roll20 or Foundry, um, those organizations aren't big enough to fight wizards on this. They don't make enough money to fight this in a legal battle. They will have to remove anything that was under the 1.0A um open gaming license they'd have to remove that content which is a vast majority 85 percent, as we talked about market share on most tabletop games being played in the in the world right now so if you remove 85 percent of your revenue these organizations cannot stand this goes to all of those small publishers every single one of those books that you public that you picked up that was not an oem um wizards of the coast book those are the other organizations that's 85 percent of the revenue that they're making is coming from 5e compatible modules campaign settings little they're not going to be able to absorb that 25 percent tax it's interesting that we used critical role as a um as an example question the 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 numbers you're giving and what they mean as far sure. as market share is concerned, because yes. I assume like a lot of things like Pizer, for example, it's 100% their business is either Pathfinder or Starfinder. I agree. I'm trying yeah. to give a little wiggle room. Yeah, I mean, well, what I mean is like, but the eight. So when you say something like um, 85% of what is out there would have to be removed, or like 85% of the market share. So does that mean that if you take every role playing item that is purchased in the world 85 percent of it would fall under the ogl yeah so yeah the numbers that i saw today in the one youtube video that i was watching it was from a um copyright lawyer had gone through and shown where the sales were um but D &D or D &D or 5e uh compatible um let's let's agree to change your terminology to a large portion. Sure, perfect. Because, I'm fine with because that. Because I don't believe you. <laughs> well, I, be you quite... I would believe that the percentage of stuff that is 5e based is more 5e than it is 5e compatible. And I can go through and give you numbers. I, so I when you say that, do you mean like published data. by Wizards 5e? Yes. I would disagree. There are like 50 to 60 big or um, publishers that are producing 5e compatible. I, I agree. No, you're you're talking about what exists. I'm talking about what sells. Ah, well, that's a fair point. Because if you're talking about what exists, that's a different thing. You that 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 is a fair point. Eighty-five uh, percent of the stuff that is in a hundred percent of the role-playing stuff in existence, that uh, you're saying that eighty-five percent of all role-playing stuff falls under 
this. The OGL falls under yeah. that OGL for some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Keeping in mind, this is also keeping track of things like uh, drive-through RPG and selling PDF-only sales. Apparently, yeah. that's a very, but... very large portion of the market, which I still feel is sacrilege. But that is just me. Uh, I'm an old fart, and I prefer having my physical books in my hand. Not that. So, the, so, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna counter that just as just sure, because sure. I was literally just on drive-through RPG as the show was starting. Um, what I like to do with the with the RPGs, like the the PDFs of the books and modules and everything else, is that I don't have to tear a book apart to have a piece of paper showing what I'm talking about. You know, sure. if, if, I... and that's the reason why I think PDFs are great. They're all watermarked, so it's not like you're getting, you know, it's not like you're getting a reproduction that doesn't have some type of attribution to it because it's watermarked. So here's a good example. Let's say you, Chris, and two or three other people decided to play D&D second, first edition, sorry, not second, but first edition with second edition rules incorporated. And we were going to do it on roll 20. I would use every single thing that I get PDF to be able to directly upload the pages, pictures, whatever I need to. Sure. And I, I said that facetiously in the fact that I am an old curmudgeon whenever it comes to my RPGs and I prefer physical books. If you enjoy it with all PDF, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm only, no, 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 saying, but, I'm but, only saying it as a joke. And I get it. I have a whole library of stuff that I have in PDF form too that's sometimes ease of use. But there's just, I don't know, something about... No, no, and I, you know me, Ed. I own a crap ton of the books already, you know. Sure. I, I own two, actually, fifth edition player's handbooks. I actually own three or four, to be honest with you. But, so my, but here's just the... To, to interject in between the two of you, the last thing I bought off Drive Through RPG was a physical um, copy of um, a Call of Cthulhu anthology like magazine thing that was being written. Yeah, well, yeah, that's cool. Right. Which is part of that you can buy if they have it. The physical, excuse me, the physical copies of stuff too. Um, but the, the that's biggest why thing... I like the, I like the trend. Like for example, Free League, I'll, I'll shout them out again for the Alien RPG stuff. Whenever I buy physical stuff from them. They send me a link through Drive Through RPG to download the PDF for free. Yep, I love and that. I I just got done buying um um Pathfinder or the Traveler 2022 update for the the main rulebook and a couple of the other books. They're on their way. They sent me free PDFs to go with that. Like I love that trend. The fact that I have that option. But again, if that's something that that works for people, I totally get it. Just having the PDF, just having it having it on an iPad or something, be able to flip through it, and not have to carry the stack of books with you whenever you're doing it right. i i get it i totally get it from i don't know it's just i like having my bookmarks in my monsters manual so i can flip back and forth through the pages i'm just old-fashioned that's that's just me i'm sorry but you know getting getting back to this whole problem with this eula and correct the uh, the idea uh because that's really what this all ends up being is is that so if Paizo, which is what Paizo is doing, is that... Yeah, I was going to say, we're going to get to step two on this one and what Paizo is elected to do. If they're going to have a problem with it, then they as a company have to deal with that themselves. When I look at things like this, the individual, the average player is not affected by this because you have the ability to go out and buy a book that you pay money for, mm-hmm. which in the cover on the book says and i pulled i pulled the uh, 
three different players handbooks out. I pulled fifth edition, second edition, and first edition out. And they all say in them, because they all have a copyright clause, that all the materials in the fifth edition is licensed to Wizards of the Coast. So you can't reproduce anything without their permission anyway. Correct, you know, but that's what the OGL did. Is it gave, and it's not again. Like I said, they and I get that. I'm not talking about companies. Gotcha. I could care less, to be honest with you, about the companies. I only care about the players, you know. And if you really want me to go down the rabbit hole with D and D and Wizards of the Coast, I think it's the shittiest version of D and D, with the exception of Fourth Edition, that has been put out <laughs> at any point in time. And even Third Edition sucked too. But this is the worst because it's such a trimmed down game to where I went and looked, okay, all the modules and this piss and, and here, here's, here's how this started. My friend, Jeff Hausman, who is an owner of a company himself, he was my DM in the late nineties. They started in 83. The campaign ended in 94. I joined the campaign in 90. Okay, so I had four years with this campaign. He's the best DM I've ever played under, but it was also under first, second edition, which was a totally different game in that in a module, when you go back to first edition, a module gave you maybe one level, maybe at the most two levels, if it was one of the thick, like Temple of Elemental Evil or something like that. You're only going to gain one to two levels in that module that you play. And when you're playing today, the modules give you from level one to level 15 in some cases, which is a book, you know, that's 200 pages long with mostly fluff in it anyway. This game is so watered down because every time you play, you're basically having to start a new character. You don't have long-term campaigns, you know, like you used to in first edition. You know, campaigns were designed to last years. Yeah, I don't know if people play that way anymore. I I agree. I have a better tangent, sorry, Sean, that we can go on, I think, because I was just glancing over, and I was curious as what actually this would affect. Is that this... Obviously, I did post a, I did post a link yeah. in Podcast Craft, so you can go yeah, and we, take That's what I was reading, the actual thing. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, Sean. Um, yeah. But like, basically... So the open gaming license affects what you can reference using the SDR. Correct. Because it's not about being able to play the game. Or not. So this, like, I sell potions of healing. I've sold like 61 of them through the Sentry Box in 2022. I can sell them as potions of healing. Sure you can. Right. I started selling for this Christmas Potion of Healing gift sets. One of the things I put inside the gift set was a nice little, um, like, printed but like handwritten style letter that's supposed to be from the store owner, which represents it being um, a guarantee for the purchaser. If they fail to bring you back to life, you get your money back, kind of thing. <laughs> um, and on the bottom of it, I've summarized how they work. Two, two D four plus four for a potion of healing. That falls under the SDR. That falls under the SDR, correct. My Agreed. potion of healing that's just a bottle doesn't. Correct. So I can make as much money as I want to selling potions of healing. Correct. I cannot make more than three quarters of a million dollars selling something where I tell you how a potion of healing works. Right. You see the difference? Yes. Yep. 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, if, so you take I, it, if you take the idea of what Pathfinder, the RPG itself was, it took the standard reference document, the SDR, uh, SRD, moving yeah, forward. So, so well, I'll, I'll read you sure. some, I mean, I example. some examples here. So I have one, two, three, four, five, seven categories. Uh, so six categories, I don't think. I think search lets me search. So adventuring, character, combat, game master rules, rules, or spellcasting. So pick one of those. Spellcasting. Okay. Then we have general spellcasting, spell indexes, and spell lists. So um, let's go with spells by name. So like, if I refer to a spell as Acid Arrow, that would be covered under the SDR. So I oh. cannot release content that contains a spell called Acid Arrow. Yeah, but you could if you can if you called it Arrow of Acid. I can have an acidic arrow. Yep. That does the exact same thing. Yeah. Yep. So what Wizards has done, this is one of the, uh, actually TSR did this too whenever they closed out second edition. They produce a book similar to this. This is the fourth edition rules compendulum. This is every single rule that was ever published in an official capacity for Wizards of the Coast. So that if you wanted to build a game, this would have been the SRD for fourth edition. This is the complete list of everything that you can use. There's one for 5th edition. It's available in PDF format. There's one for 3.5 that you can use, which is what Paizo did whenever they made um, Pathfinder. They used something very similar to this, which is a complete list of here's every rule that you're allowed to use moving forward under the OGL. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, I hate to say this, but ultimately, you can, you know, a rule... What is a rule in a game? You know, it's a bunch of words that states how you're supposed to do something, correct? Right. And that's where Wizard, like so that's Wizards kind of, of the Coast does not does not own dexterity. They do not own strength. They do not own saving throws. They do not own any you, of that. You can't, uh, you can't own um game mechanics. Yeah, game mechanics. So. Yeah, that's the reason why there are like a thousand monopoly clones out there. Like there's a Pittsburgh that monopoly. Is correct. That's why there's that's why there's 300 versions of, of Galaxian out there. Exactly, exactly. Because like you, you cannot own how the game is built around. What you can own, like they said, is Beholders, Mind Flares. But hell, I can build the exact same kind of character. I'm just going to call it, you know, a Wobbly Ball with a sure. big eye, you know? It, it's an eye, eye stock monster. Yeah, I stock monster. You know, you can change it to anything you want. This is a, the same argument we had about stuff like Chapter High Studios when all of that was going down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, the reason Chapter High Studios ruined everything for forty k and um, destroyed themselves um, was because, unlike everybody else, they wouldn't play the game. They said that they they insisted with Games Workshop that they could sell something as a Blood Angel Space Marine shoulder pad, rather than uh, Space Angels Night, of... Angels of Blood shoulder pad. Right, exactly. Right. Every other company did well enough selling their shit as, you know... Angels of Blood gen generic, pad. Yeah. Yeah. I but mean, Chapter House insisted that they could do that. Right. And then they I'm... lost. And well, they, they on some things they were finding that they could, on other things they found that they couldn't. But spoilers... Games Workshop went, okay, well, all of those things you can do, well, we'll just remove those and make sure that everything falls under the stuff you can't do. Thanks for the lesson. 
Mm -hmm. And then we'll make those models monopose so the, the the shoulder pads aren't super easy to swap out and the guns aren't super easy to swap out. I'm like, oh, yeah, I do genuinely. So if I'm not mistaken, actually, I think I thought Chapter House Studios won their lawsuit, which is the reason why Games Workshop won. Oh, we can't. Oh, they, 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 nobody won. Nobody okay. lost. It, like, sorry, everybody lost. Everybody there was a bunch lost. of stuff that they, like, I believe, like the, um, the, the models that got removed from the codex. Um, they... Thunderwolf Cav, Turbagons, things like that. Things that they, the Chapter House put out models for before they were ever released. Yeah. Games Workshop just never released them yeah. until later. Well, that, but that's it. The reason they couldn't release them because Chapter House Studio made them then. Mm -hmm. And then if they lose, they would have had to pay Chapter House a bunch of stuff. Yep. See, to me, all of this, this is just, and I understand Paizo and I understand. I, I understand Pathfinder and I understand all these independent creators and blah, 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 you know, that, that half, you know, for them to be able to sell it for D and D fifth edition, I get all that. Yeah. But, it's the, it's the, the, the prestige the problem, of being able to put that five E compatible sticker on their product and say, yeah, but I can make something that I, I can make something that anybody can use for fifth edition period. Sure. I don't have to have that. It's just like I can take a, a first edition module and I can change all the stats in it so it fits fifth edition and it's a first edition module that I'm playing in fifth edition. What the fuck is, you know, this is what bothers me about all this is the big stink. To me, this is more about critical role and and what will happen to them because they're the popular ones out there and the other ones that are branded similar to them. This is what the the uproar is about it's because yeah. it's going to affect these fucking rich people already as it is and it's going to hurt their bottom line their company of critical roles bottom line it doesn't matter you know this is this is the the bothersome part of role playing to me in the current age of role playing is everybody thinks you have to use something to role play with or set of rules that exist already to role play with ah, yeah. I have a good, a good, a fun game we can play. Your listeners can play along. Um, so I have a sales report from the role-playing games department of the Sentry Box for 2022. So shall we play a game of when does something that is uh, going to be printed under the um, the five E license? Yeah, yeah, the five E license come in. What number on this this indefinite list? I would assume it would be the number one seller in that category. I, I'll go out on the limb and say. Oh, no, remember, it's individual items. Not, okay. So we, how, you have to find me something that you can name. Uh, may, maybe I'm incorrect in what this report is telling me. It might, this might all be official stuff. But like, we sold um, 292 players' handbooks last year. Do you think we sold 292 of any individual product that wasn't that would fall under it? That falls under role playing? Yeah. No, but yeah, yeah, under the entirety of role play, do you think anything is going to sell more than the players? No, I would I told you. The only thing that would is if you had a box set to something that was a newer game, you know, well, I, that, well, that, that people were getting into. Let's, Even at that, though. I, I believe I can do this now. Let me check. 
I would, and again, not knowing your store, not having ever stepped foot in it, sadly to say, I would argue that into that category, I would think that the Player's Handbook 5th Edition would probably be the number one selling item in volume, not necessarily dollars, but in volume um, over the course of the year. Like, hands down. Um, So let's... In fact, I think I would challenge that anything that isn't... 5e or 5e adjacent would probably be fairly low down the list maybe in your fourth or fifth category because i would think that it would be player's handbook oh as a as a reference see sandy peterson's cthulhu mythos 5e book Mm -hmm. we sold two last year one of them's in your hands i bought this earlier than that i bought this so so let me ask you this so can you do a comparison between fifth edition D &D player's handbook and the equivalent of the 2.0 Paizo Pathfinder yep. game. Can you I give can me because I don't know if it's so, called Player's Handbook. It's or, a core know. rule book they call theirs. There's a core rule they, book. They only, so this is an even better example, Sean, because you have to, if you want to play Pathfinder 2 uh, Second Edition, you have to buy the bigger, more expensive book. Yeah. You okay. can't buy the cheaper Player's Handbook. You have to buy the big one. Um, there will be a slight disparity because I believe they do pocket editions as well after about they six do. The, those are the pap- those are the paperback versions. Yeah. So putting both those together, then <laughs> I like where no, you're no, going. I know. I like where you're going. Yeah. Because this is this is your comparison to the adjacent now. Yeah. Mm, uh, I, no, I, I understand uh, this is 2.0. I understand it's not built it's fifth not, edition. It's I understand. Not yeah, okay. but 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 here here is the closest reference you have in a game from a company and a game from another company with the same relevance. Okay, which huh. one? Which one is? Which one has more sales than the other? Which will show you which one has more relevance than the other when it comes to totality. And then, oh no, I agree, and a hundred percent. Again, I'm looking forward to hearing what his numbers. I 100% agree with you. That's part of the reason why po- companies like Paizo, Coldwood Press, you know, Green Running Games, like all of these companies are fighting this, is because it's literally going to. They're barely on the uh, on the fringes of relevance as it is, and this agreement, should they sign it, would push them completely out. And and, and this is this is this is uh, this which is, is the where... which is the point, by the way. Well, I, and I understand that, but oh, I am. Sold 26 copies of the Pathfinder second edition core rule book. Okay. Um, so that's like a factor of 10 less. Yeah. If we include the pocket edition. Um, let me grab the numbers for that. Uh, there we go. So 26 plus whatever this one comes out at. That I'm accessing everything remotely. So it's a yeah, little bit slow. Yeah. You had a little Check. bit of lag. Yeah. And also, I'm shit at computers. Don't tell anyone. Didn't hear uh, from me. We sold 15 copies of the pocket edition. Yeah. So, so not even 40, 41 in total. Okay. So here's my point. So now you you sell to the adjacent, and I understand a, a, a fifth, a fifth no, yeah. of a number. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of and I understand 2.0 is not comparable to fifth edition. But so here here's my stance on all this, Ed. And I'm a firm believer of the factor of let it fail if you're tying your wagon to something that is doing like this, you know, now the, the, oh, hear me out. Okay. Yeah. So these, these companies, these small companies that sold two copies in Chris's store don't have to tie their wagon 
to fifth edition. They can tie their wagon to the 20% game and probably but still have success. Not even that, Sean. So one thing that I find interesting from the, the homework at Ed Centers was the statement on one of the videos of a statement from Paizo that their second edition doesn't actually use the OGL. Yeah, I yet. It yep. mentions that the OGL in there, but that was to allow other people to use their OG their content in the same way that you could so you could release a book that's Pathfinder compatible as a spoiler. Right. There is a I don't own it, but there is a Sandy Peterson's Cthulhu Mythos that is Pathfinder compatible. Right. There's it's the same book, the same contents with two different sets in. The point is that Sandy Peterson could have re released the Cthulhu Mythos book system agnostic. This he put true. the 5e thing in to boost sales. Yeah, and that's the point. I don't know that I have a problem with there being a cost to that. So I'm going to ask I'm going to ask one more question here of you, Ed, and then we can move on to the second part of what you're trying to get at. Sure, 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 sure. So let's say that I start a role-playing campaign using first edition slash second edition rules for D&D. Is that affected under this OG, OGL? No, because uh, TSR had their own version. Correct. Um, Correct. So which is the, the re which is the reason why I think there's a game system out there now called like basic D or basic role playing or something like that. Yes. That yeah, actually was... took like the first and second edition rule set and yep. just modernized it because right. I think I almost think that that's it didn't fall into public domain, but it's definitely not being copyright infringed. They they TSR did have their own version of a quote unquote o, uh, o, OGL. Yeah, but not not to the robustness that this one has. I guess. Uh, to get to that, the bottom that, line. That, that's my point, though, real quick, is that you can sidestep this bullshit that, that Wizards is doing. Sure. Just play a different edition that wasn't put out by uh, Wizards. But play the old first edition rules, and none of this fucking matters. Because you're playing... I, I you're agree. Playing, I, th I think where the downside comes in is, is sales. Like, if you're a third-party publisher... Is... I, I, I don't care about sales. Here's the deal. Yeah. So correct. so, yeah. so here's, here's the deal. So if I want to sell D&D, &D, you know, adjacent or, or whatever compatible, why don't I just sell first-edition compatible stuff? And it's not even that much, Sean. Like, bring first-edition back. If, if the fact is that... Like, I'm going to make up numbers, yeah. but if... If one million people play other other games, twenty million people play Five E. The second you put that Five yes. E sticker on it, you've got access to nineteen million more people. Instantly. No, and I understand. I, and, I get that. And if that means that you're gonna sell more, at that point, they're gonna take some of your money. Right? Yeah, I mean Whatever. that's the, that's right. the other choice. That's that's the other side of this is that. Right. I mean, th that is really what this comes down to, right? Is that if I'm going to produce something that I want to have 5th edition or 6th edition or whatever the new is going to be called, um, if I want to have compatibil direct compatibility and have access to that 19 million people that you're talking about, you know, you pay the price. I mean, you're, you're paying, you're, you're basically paying a licensure fee. That's literally what it is. It's the open, it's, it's a, a license, the gaming shit. license shit. That's like, all it is. I mean, that's that's why this doesn't bother me. Whichever way it goes, however it goes, what's bothering me right now is that Wizards is bending to people who are bitching about it 
because the, at the end of the day, they're not. Hold on, hold on, no, no, I am going to interrupt Sean because they're not. They did. They're, they no, did. Not, let me finish. They're, I know I'm not letting you finish, but let me finish. You understand, <laughs> right? They're not. They're bowing to people cancelling their subscriptions. They don't care about your feelings. They care no, about. No, your I money. get that. But they did. So, they, they did bow in that regard because they were supposed to announce it today. They bowed in that regard. But you know what's going to happen? Is three months from now, all those people who canceled their subscriptions today are going to go back to it. It's the same but, thing that happened with Netflix. When Netflix raised their prices, they had a shit ton of people with a campaign, let's cancel our fucking subscriptions. And then they came back. Why did they come back? Because that's what you have out there. You know, that is the big dog out there. But, but what I'm saying, Sean, is they're not, they don't care. Right? No company, no corporation, no corporate entity cares about feelings. Oh, hell no. They, they no. only care about the money. If right. the people right... were complaining and not canceling subscriptions, they would have done their announcement today. Right. But yeah, but they're going to do it. I mean, they're already they're they are already, you know, basically they've already put the basket the basketball in is already in the hoop, but we're just waiting for it to fall through. Sure. And I, I, I started this whole conversation off with the I don't necessarily fault them for moving forward with the second uh, sixth edition moving forward that this is how it's going to be. I don't fault them for creating their own VTT and that's how they want to have it. They want to push all the players in that direction to help monetize players. I have no problem with any of that. I totally yep. get it. I mean, it kind of stinks for it those is, other third parties. The it part is that capitalism. I, it's it is capitalism. capitalism, and I mean, if you genuinely get down to think about it, like it is their, it's their property. I totally understand the money that makes the cash on that. That does not bother me in any slice. It's the same argument that I had two weeks ago when we started talking about it. I'm hundred percent on board. The problem that I guess fundamentally that I have is trying to cancel an agreement that has been in place for 23 years that they've had with all of these other third-party publishers. Some of them that they've worked very, very closely with over the years, and just gutting that. That I think is the problem. And I think about all the people that have jobs at those publishers, those smaller publishers. If I'm a, an artist that works for them, or I'm a writer or an editor, all of those jobs just instantaneously vanish. Yeah, but wasn't the world different 23 years ago than it sure is it today? Sure, it was. Sure, I, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you. I, I, I get that, which is why, like I said, to kind of slide into the second half of this. Um, a couple of hours ago, I've actually been able to get onto the site then, so the the traffic the Paizo site must have dropped down, um, quite a bit. Paizo's basically announced that they were going to be doing their own open RPG. And as Chris kind of alluded to here, uh, they indicate that in their second edition of Pathfinder, there's actually no SRD stuff in it, and there's nothing in the open license. They simply printed that as a courtesy to Wizards of the Coast and allow other people to use theirs. Um, So according to their... And I I do want to read this one line just because it's a baller thing to say. Like They've waited a week and a half for Wizards to respond to this, and Wizards hasn't said anything. They have, as Sean kind of intimated too, cowered out of not one but two official announcements of this. They haven't said anything at all as far as an official announcement. Um, So Paizo finally put something out today, and it's just a baller move, in my opinion, of how they decided to do this um, in this announcement. I'm quoting from their website. Uh, we believe that any interpretation of the OGL 1.0 or 1.1a or 1.0a were ever intended to be revocable or intended to be deauthorized is incorrect and with good reason. We were there. 
Paizo owner Lisa Stevenson and, Pro- and Paizo president Jim Butler were leaders of the, on the Dungeons & Dragons team at Wizards at the time. Brian Lewis, the co-founder of Azora Law, an intellectual property law firm that Paizo uses, was the attorney for Wizards who came up with the legal framework for the OGL itself. Paizo has also worked directly and closely with the OGL-related issues with Ryan Dancy, the visionary who conceived of the OGL in the first place. So basically what they're saying along with this is, is they're coming up with their own. They're coming up with their calling as their open RPG creative license or org. Cool name. <laughs> Just give them that one. Um, and they intend to basically put it into the public uh, for free. They're going to make sure that it's not owned by Paizo. They're going to be attaching it to an L, um, a nonprofit, similar to how Linux is currently owned by an, a nonprofit. Um, but some of these big third-party publishers like Paizo, Coldwood Press, um, Green Running Games, Legendary Games, Road Games, a whole bunch of these other smaller publishers have all kind of signed on to this agreement. They're basically saying, okay, if we have to sign this agreement to be on Wizards, heat to be able to stay into D&D 1. We're just going to choose not to. We're going to take the option of another direction, which seems to be the way they're going. And it does look like Paizo is going to be the one leading the way for that charge. Yeah, which Paizo is the biggest company, the biggest closest company to Wizards when it comes Correct. To and like I said, I go back to like when 4th edition and 4th edition was failing, Paizo was not only a direct competitor, they were winning for the longest time. Now 5th edition comes out and 5th edition is so openly um, accepted and becomes very mainstream kind of put Paizo back in, pa- in Pathfinder back down into second place but um, yeah it's interesting to see that that was their official announcement so it's kind of a baller move whenever because a, a chronological course of events today Wizards of the Coast had a live stream set up for 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on um, January 12th which is where we are right now that live stream did not happen it was canceled and then two hours later, Paizo announces this because everyone's been kind of waiting for the Paizo shoe to drop. Like, where are they going to fall? Does Paizo have their own secret sweetheart deal kind of going in the background and they're going to be the first ones to sign on? It doesn't look like that's the case considering their announcement. So, yeah, I think that's I think that's all my thoughts I've got on that one. I know, Sean, you've got a couple other things, but like this seems to be the solution that you're talking about. Like, play a different system. All these third party publishers just publish for a different system. Paizo's opening the door for you. They're making it free and open and available. It's not even that Paizo's saying publish it for Pathfinder. They're saying just publish it. You can use all yourself. of the terminology yeah, here just publish it and just publish it agnostically and Correct. then let people use it for whatever game they want, which a bunch of people do that already. Right. Like, well, the... and that was the other thing that I saw in some of those other videos. Like, this isn't the only one. Like, uh, first of all, I didn't even know this until I read this earlier today. But um, HP Lovecraft, the reason why there's always Cthulhu stuff and there has been Cthulhu stuff out there for 100 years that isn't necessarily tied to the HP Lovecraft um, estate is because he made that work open source whenever he published it. I didn't know that. Yeah. There's, I, I That's the first time I had heard that. But there are other smaller publishers who have their own you know own what players. is copyrighted and you can't just do stuff for arkham files yeah so you like, if you wanted to do something supplementary to arkham horror can't do that weird that's a fantasy flight property because it's theirs right but is that so they've taken something free mm-hmm. made something their own and copyrighted it 100 percent. but the source material isn't copyrighted still right no just well, just the arkham the Arkham concept yeah. is very it's very specific job but yeah, what I'm but, saying you know, is... I mean I can I can now call it you know instead of calling it Arkham I can call it Hickam the Hickam files and 
you're oh. already around it because you can still use so it. So can I when I release my um my acrylic um printed um location connectors for Arkham Horror uh, card game? Can I say that the um like me Mephos location connectors Arkham Horror compatible or not? You know, mm, probably not. No, but, but, but that's that's I mean. So why why it's normal? The, right. The, yeah, it puts it, it back into a, a realm of normalcy where like they're not copywriting and they're not preventing people from writing rules based in this right. open RPG creative license that they're putting out. So as an example, I'm going to read you something just simple from it this It reminds book. me of all those, like, Sean, did you ever remember seeing all those unauthorized supplements that you could see for Dungeons & Dragons? That's what it reminds me of. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. I always had that same feel for me. Oh, it's unauthorized. That means it's not going to be any good. And I always blew, blew past it. Um, that's what that reminds me of. Like, whereas if it were under a different system, I don't know. Uh, I get so I I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you from, this is from the Treacherous Traps book that I used. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is a trap out of this book, and that like we'll see if we can spot what makes it like illegal. What why you couldn't use this? Why you so, couldn't use it under the new agreement? Yeah. So falling rocks, mechanical trap, open brackets level one to six, da, comma peril, comma harm, close brackets. Uh, flavor text about the ceiling being lined with traps. Um, three levers pulling the wrong one sets off a trap. Blah blah blah. So there's a trigger, which is uh, pulling the wrong lever. It's an effect. Um, all creatures within the chamber or passageway must make a DC 20 dexterity saving throw, taking 14, um, open brackets, 4D6, close brackets, bludgeoning damage on a failed save or half as much as they succeed. Um, now it goes into countermeasure difficulty, so you've got to take a DC 17 wisdom, so open brackets, perception, close brackets, check. Uh, to reveal the hidden mechanisms that hold up the rocks, blah, blah, blah. And then you can do, it tells you how to describe what they do to shut it off kind of thing. So do you want to tell you um, how you change this to be not a problem? Change the words DC to something else? Probably. Right. You take a... Like legitimately, that's what it is. Like everything else in you, is fairly you take a enough. You take a dexterity saving check at a difficulty of 20. Right, that's it. That's all you have yeah, to but, do. Yeah, but is DC... Yeah. Yes. D DC is a uh, uh, difficulty check, but it's an abbreviated term, so it can be uh, all within that. Well, well but couldn't I, couldn't I call a DC a difficulty challenge and just be done with it? I mean, that... Again, that, had, that gets into gray areas of what you want it, how, how confident when they come to tell you to stop that you want to go to court, because again, they have more money than you do. No, I get yeah. that. And I, I understand the litigation side of this. That's what Paizo is doing is to protect the smaller companies from being massively litigated out of existence because that's what wizards will do to them because sure. they have more money than the smaller companies. That's why Paizo is actually doing what they're doing is they're creating a safety net for these small companies. I mean, that, I mean that's literally I, what I what feel like they're buying goodwill and players. Yeah, we talk, no, I no, no. Like I, I, I think it's that too, but but a hundred percent that. But, but ultimately, that is that. But the side effect of that is, is they're creating that safety net mm -hmm. for for small companies to at least try to stay in existence. You know, I mean, 
If, I mean, if, if it's a one to 10 deal here, like we talked or a one to 20 deal, a small company isn't going to stay into existence unless they sign on to the wizard's agreement because or they have cannot, a, or have a viable alternate route, which is which, not going to be a big enough. I don't think, do you think Pathfinder is a big enough route? I don't think it's going to be a big enough bite now. So if you'd have asked me whenever um, Pathfinder first edition came out, right around the hit, like right around fourth edition D and D coming out, I'd have told you no. About halfway through the life cycle of both of those RPGs, Pathfinder took over and they were the bigger game. So well, right now, it, I would say no. But if all of this ill will has built up people looking into going to playing a different I, game. you're always going to have your diehards and i'm one I, of them i'm guilty i know that i am going to buy i want to i want to throw, throw this out there though so do you think the average person who plays D who goes to a game store doesn't really watch youtube doesn't follow all this shit that's going on is going to give two shits nope not about one. this so no, do the, you think the so, so which is a, which hold on let me finish yeah so which is a bigger market the player that has no concept of all of this or the people that do have a concept of this. So, so this goes back to our, our all, always talking about the competitive players in X-Wing versus the average purchaser of X-Wing products, which was yep. bigger. We always knew that it wasn't the competitive players mm -hmm. that drove the market. It's just like with... With arcade companies and arcade machines, it's not these YouTube channel communities that are driving the sales. It's going into Walmart and finding the Simpsons cab on sale and the average Joe bought, spending $600 to get that in his house because it's nostalgic to him. And that's, I think, that, I, that's the thing about this that drives me nuts about communities today is they think that they're the be-all, end-all of all of this and really and truthfully it's the average joe that doesn't have a fucking clue what's going on yeah the only argument that i would make um again maybe i don't know if it's in favor kind of in adjacent to what you're saying is that D, &D especially over covid um saw exponential growth so you had a lot of people who the name alone if you've never picked up a die, never rolled a d20, transgenderly just through osmosis in life, you've walked around and you have an idea, like even if it's, oh, those D&D &D nerds, like you know what Dungeons and Dragons is. So when you're walking into a store to purchase something and something says Dungeons and Dragons or Dungeons and Dragons compatible, there is a, there's, you get the easy ones. I would make the argument that those people who are, in the role-playing verse and have been playing role-playing games for a long time, ultimately in the end, yeah, D&D is great, but I want to try something else. I want to try something else. Which is the reason why I have oodles of pen and paper tabletop role-playing games over on this other shelf over here that aren't D&D because I've wanted to try them. I've played World of Darkness. I've played Traveler. I've played Alien. I've played, you know, all of the, you have all of these other games that kind of go through. And I think the more veteran ones are going to be the ones that are like, oh, well, I'm just going to go over to, to Pathfinder because I don't want to support wizards. I think that is a much smaller venue, I agree, than your average Joe who walks in and says, I want to see what this D&D stuff's about. They're going to pull the OEM book off the shelf, and that's going to be the one they get. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, so that's the big part of it. I know like we have all of our, the wizard stuff on one side of a waterfall, which is like an eight-foot waterfall that's like four feet high. The opposite side of that is all the 5e compatible stuff. 
if it's not 5e compatible like you got another shelf in a dark corner <laughs> the, the, the first thing you're talking about sean is probably less like but they wouldn't know that they're missing out right but they would be less likely to buy the thing because they wouldn't know but like nobody they walks still, into if, a store. They, if they still buy something that person's life they're not going to feel any less happy because right. they, they don't know any better but but I yeah, have to I'm... say it for all the other smaller game companies. There's not many people, average Joe off the street, that's walking out of the street and saying, "I want to play the Alien RPG. I want to play Pathfinder. I want to play Traveler." They went in looking. I don't even for... think that it's those aren't the companies that we're talking about here. Those like no, yeah, is not affected by this in any way, shape, no, or no way, form. shape, no way, no way, shape, or form. For Th- this is probably the, poor example. The person who had a really cool idea. But didn't have a game. Like the one of the thing we the discussions like um Latour and I have had a bunch of times um would be about like X game, they should have just done it as five E compatible, or you just make it make us a, a setting book and don't put stats in it. Right. Because then you can Anybody just can use, use five E. Yeah. yeah. And that in- that's all you do. If if I'm gonna say the people that are gonna get hurt the most, or if you want to call it hurt the most, are Kickstarters. Yes, hundred percent. Kickstarters will get crushed because if they earn, because number one, they you know no Kickstarter knows what the true cost is going to be at the end of the day. Because let's just say you get, let's just say you earn a million dollars on your Kickstarter because you want to publish this book, right? So right off the bat, how much does Kickstarter take? You know, 30 percent. I've heard. Okay, so now, now because you made a million dollars, you're going to lose another twenty five percent. So your Kickstarter just lost fifty five percent of its total value because Wizards took their chunk, Kickstarter took their chunk. Now you have four hundred fifty thousand dollars left to try to produce whatever project that you need to produce. Those are the ones that are going to get crushed the most. You know, all the people that are trying to do all this fifth edition adjacent shit, you know, unless, like Chris said, you just make a generic setting or have generic things without stats, then you're fine because you're not going to get hit by the wizards. But at the same time, are you going to have as many people backing your Kickstarter? Right, exactly. And that's where it really falls into having that 5e sticker on the outside of your book Right, is a gigantic extra sales because you are going to get more people even if you like even if you made it generic like chris said he's got one source book there that is has a pathfinder one and it's probably the exact same rules for the exact same stuff but because it has that 5e sticker someone's way more likely to purchase it than not and that's the stuff i i would argue i agree that the the um the kickstarters are going to get hurt i do genuinely feel like if you're not paizo if you're not um, Cobalt Presser, you're not some of these other bigger third parties. Those are the people. The ones that are just eking out a living, producing smaller books, smaller releases, smaller module releases. They're selling their stuff on DriveThruRPG. They're only selling it in PDF format. They don't actually have hardcovers. Those little guys, they're gone. They're not going to be able to survive that. Well, only if they're making over $750,000, though. Well, and I think, well, there's that, but so the argument that I saw from one of them was that it's entirely plausible. First of all, that contract, the one that we've been going over, this 1.1, the alleged leaked document, they can change the terms anytime they want. Yeah. 
a hundred percent. So it could say that when you signed it, oh, why didn't didn't make that much? They can change that tomorrow. They all have, yeah. they only have to give you thirty days notice if they're doing it, and then all of a sudden they've taken your stuff. Well, yeah, I get that, but no, that, EU, that's the no, other insidious no, part of this. No EULA, even if it's a lifetime EULA, matters because there is no such thing as permanency when it comes to anything anymore. You know, people can just like Wizards is doing now. The people who were there at the time that now work for Paizo say this was a lifetime agreement. And what's Wizards doing? They're changing the rules as they see fit. Because they don't alter it any further. Yes. You know, their stock, they're down in money. So now they have to come up with funding streams because we're in corporate America today. We have investors. We have we have stakeholders that you're having to pay money to. Because if your stock goes down, you may not be in charge of that company anymore. You know, Correct. just the way of the and world, not, you know. And I'm not trying to say that I'm quote unquote sympathetic to that cause. That's why I'm saying I get it. I do get that. I understand that that this, this kind of goes back to the whole thing of like, oh, well, why don't I just 3D print my entire 40K army? Because I could. I can go out and spend a couple hundred bucks on a 3D printer and print the Battle Sisters army if I wanted to. Why don't I do that? Aside from the fact that I don't want my local game store to go under, I don't want Games Workshop to go under. I want that company to be around. For as much as I can complain from time to time about how the prices are a little bit higher than I would like, I want that company to be there. So I still send the money. It's the same. Like so, legitimately, I understand the concept of like if I want this thing to be here, I still need to financially support it. Otherwise, it goes away. I, ironically, you know. The funny thing is, is that the people that are spending the money to 3D print is probably negligible to the bottom line of a company like them because most people are saps, don't understand the fact that you can go out and do that and will just buy the crap straight from, you know, the company. It's just the way that it is. I own a 3D printer and 3D printed a bunch of stuff. I wouldn't 3D print a full army because it would take too long, and the your the pe- effort ratio is yeah. Just... People are inherently lazy today, whether they're hard workers or not. They're still inherently lazy, and they're not gonna go that route. A because I hate to say it, probably the 3D printed army is gonna cost more anyway in the end. You know because somebody has to take the time to to print that thing. You so know, unless... if, if you value your time at zero crack on yeah, yeah exactly. and, and we've yeah we've talked about that that's the how much do you value your own time kind of thing that's where i think you you are correct in the fact that it ultimately in the and don't get me wrong i know that there are some really really good things that people have put out on 3d printers there was a lot of hours to get there for the exactly. calibrate for the calibrations to getting all that stuff the cost the cost to be able to do to to do high manufacturing printing 3d with 3d printers you have to have hundreds of 3d printers running constantly and the cost on that is outrageous when it comes to what they're paying you know it's kind of like crypto mining you know look at the look at the cost benefit analysis of crypto mining you're actually going to end up losing money unless you invest buku bucks into it and then your return on investment is over time at that point you know, okay. and and that's that's the biggest thing about it's 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 what I think is so funny about today's consumerism and consumers is that people think that their word influences what a company actually does. 
there there are very very few companies that are you know look at look at uh, chick-fil-a when you know when the liberals were mad at chick-fil-a you know is chick-fil-a out of business no nope. you know is new uh, cycle moved on something else exactly and something that's exactly, else to rage over in, in and that's exactly uh, what's going to happen it's what's going to happen with this people are still going to buy whether if the licensing agreement changes, the only people that truly, truly, truthfully affects are the small companies that are going to end up going out of business if their business model doesn't give them leeway to allow Paizo to to support that, you know, to to get support through producing for Paizo stuff. And it's the same thing I hear. You know, I, I always go back to the arcade community, but it makes me laugh because you have influencers or community people that have these fucking shows that I sit there the air quotes <laughs> yes yes <laughs> and you know that sit there and they all they do is post videos about this one company arcade one up right they're the ones that make cabs that have you know like you know there's three three big companies and then there's independents out there that make them but at games is generic i arcade is generic um Arcade One Up makes cabs that that's where my Tron cab came from. That's where my Frogger cab that has time by so on and so forth. Everybody bitches. Well, I'm not going to pay $700 for a cab, you know? Well, okay. Well, I'm going to wait till it goes down to $199 at Sam's. You think Arcade One Up gives two shits if you're waiting for it to go down to $199 at Sam's? Yep. No, not at all. Because they've sold, you know, how many units? Let's say a million units, you know? Well, Sam's is the one losing the money, not Arcade One Up, because they've already made their wholesale dollar at the price point probably of two hundred dollars for a sale price of four hundred dollars. But Sam's is selling it for one hundred ninety nine because they can take the loss leader. You know, all yeah, that is, yeah, is a exactly. it's a loss leader. You know, and it's people don't understand economics. People don't understand these things about how companies can do this type of stuff and get away with it because they're the big dog. You know, they're the ones. They're the ones who can do it, you know. Do you think? Do you really think that this is going to hurt the bottom line of Wizards at the end of the day? So, I think in the long run, I think that there is a certain amount of collateral damage that comes just over the last decision. Not necessarily this specific decision, but in conjunction with like what they did with MTG 30th anniversary and how that kind of left a bad taste. <laughs> that was funny. Yeah, that's yeah. Stupid. So like how much that left a bad taste in people's mouth from Wizards of the Coast and then to follow it up like almost directly with this decision. I think ultimately in the end, I think that you're still going to have your OEM fans. They're still going to play Magic all the time. They are still going to they're still going to play D&D &D and it's not going to find. I think that there are some people that are going to peel off. I don't think that that's going to be a huge part of their market share. I oh. think they but 10% and I'm again pulling numbers completely out of my ass if it's a 10 or 15% I don't think ultimately and it's going to affect them I, I agree I, I also don't think that what we think you know just like we talk about with X-Wing and I talk about with arcade communities I don't think the YouTube community is as big as people think that yeah. is as affected as people think because they people love D&D &D, right sure it's a it's a brand recognition name yeah it's it's like saying nike it is like saying it's like what's the what was the one uh it's like it's saying the word q-tip 
Like whenever you think of role playing, you think it's technically a cotton swab, but there's a brand associated with it. When you think of role playing games, D and D, like legitimately, that just role like right. normies, and I hate using that term necessarily in this case, but normal people who are not in the role playing community, if you say the word Dungeons and Dragons, they know what that is. They have an right. idea. So you're right. right. I mean, uh, arguably, I agree. Ultimately, and it's probably not going to be that big of a deal. I do find it interesting that Wizards has kind of chickened out on this. <laughs> I, I I do. After hearing what Chris said, is I don't think they've chickened out. I think it's they're kind of you know reforming their ranks. You know, they're they're going to come at it from a different angle rather than you know number one having it leak is the worst thing for wizards. So sure. I think you have any- a, when you have a plan and strategy for releasing something like that, and now it's undermined because somebody leaked it, you still have the same plan. You can wait two weeks and what's going to happen in two weeks. The news cycle is going to change. We already yeah. know what and Paizo's, we already know what Paizo's going to do. They, in fact, if you wait, it's better for wizards at the end of the day, because their biggest enemy their biggest opponent their biggest competitor has already laid their cards on the table yeah and it's now, almost and it's almost as if they were kind of waiting to see what 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 Paizo was going to do was going to do yep and here's the here's the big question was it leaked or was or it purpose, in- or was it perfect purposely leaked i would like to i it makes me wonder <laughs> if they're playing some 4d chess over there mm-hmm. um to be perfectly honest with you, like the the CEO of Hasbro right now uh, actually came over from Microsoft, um, led the I and don't quote me on this. I'm getting tired of this juncture. I believe at led the Xbox Live uh, movement over there with Microsoft when they brought her over. Um, it, it, she's found a way to make like they brought her on to Hasbro for the intentions of making money, and these are the things that she's identified as key starts like. I can go through and look at Dungeons and Dragons and say, yes, we made X amount of money from this. 85% of, again, pulling out of my ass number are DMs that buy all the books. And then you have a whole bunch of players that buy one book and that's it. Well, we got to find a way to monetize it. We need to find a way to make that better. Oh, and by the way, all these other smaller publishers that are making money off of us, that's that's done. Can't do that anymore. Right. I get it. From a business perspective, I understand the decision-making process. And you're right. Is it the funny part to me? And again, from the standpoint that I have, it's not going to affect me personally. Right. Like in any way, shape, or form, am I going to buy when D and D one you know one D and D comes out? Am I going to get the PHP, DMG, and Monsters Manual? Yes, I have done it for every single edition of Dungeons and Dragons since the late seventies. They're all here. Those books will end up on my shelf as well. I will probably end up playing if their VTT is awesome, like it looks like it is. Am I going to sign up for it so that I can play on it? Absolutely, absolutely. As long so, as I can put first and second edition shit on it, I'll use it. Yeah, because you know I'm not gonna, I am not gonna run a fifth or sixth edition campaign. I'm gonna run a first or second edition campaign, and that's it. You know that's how I'm going to do it. But with that said, um, you know one of the thing about this that I want to bring up is that we're now seeing the emotional effect. This yeah. is the this is the you know kind of like Star Wars fans in the Last Jedi. It's an emotional reaction to a film. You know, and you know what happened? They still made those films. They still did what they did. <laughs> and they still it, made money. They still made money. 
Um, it does. I, one of the, the last little side note I, before I button this up, because Chris, you didn't think this conversation was going to take this long, and it totally did. Um, I do find it interesting how much of the, <laughs> the, the YouTubers that I have watched and that I followed, how much of a personal stake they have in it because they're all all are publishers. They all publish something in a small way. So I do kind of feel the little bit of the conflict of interest going there. And I understand why legitimately they're seeing their livelihood kind of dis- you know evaporating before their very eyes. I totally get it. And I understand why they're complaining about it. Um, I am kind of curious to see if I can find some type of commentary from someone else who isn't. So, so I want to, I want to point something out. So I just, I literally just turned YouTube on and the first thing that came up is a YouTuber that's talking about this right now. Right. <laughs> and I want to some big ones in it, like Charlie Moist Critical did one. Like I mean, if it's I get that, I get that, I get that. But you're looking at this guy has two point two nine thousand subscribers. Do you want to know why he's talking about it? Because he wants to get that number up to five thousand subscribers. Sure, sure. That's the reason why. I'm not disagreeing with you. A hundred percent. That's the reason why. Like I've seen like seventeen videos today all on this, like anticipating that Wizards were supposed to have that live stream today that they didn't. Um, there were people that were doing live streams, getting ready to watch it happen. And was right. like, yeah, no, you're not making money off of us and didn't do it. I don't think that's the reason no. why they canceled. I'm sure here, they had other reasons. Here's this one. Roll for combat. Talking about it. Talking yep. about Paizo's deal. 11.2 thousand subscribers. Okay. How many it, subscribers actually watch the content of the people they're subscribed to? All right. So funny part. I found that was one of the first guys that I found over the weekend who was talking about it. His subscriber count before that was in the 4,000s. And yep. when he was one of the ones that was doing a live stream today, I kind of had it on in the background while I was at work at three o'clock preparing to watch this Wizards of the Coasting. There were 7,000 people that were watching him while he was doing it. So I am not, but that having been said, that particular YouTube content creator is also a small time publisher. He has published material. So this does personally affect him. I yep. totally understand him wanting to be you know, raging over it and, and not happy about the, the direction that it's going. I totally get that, but you're correct. And the fact that he was, he had 5,000 subscribers on Saturday and he's doubled his subscriber count in four days. <laughs> And it's easy to do, you know. Yep. Here's another one, just real quick. Just, just please bear with me. Twenty nine thousand subscribers. He's talking about it. You know, it's just like it, YouTube content creation to me is it's Twitter it, in video form. Like legitimately, well, it's not only that big... though. Not only that though, but how many bots are these people getting hit with because they're on at that time? You know, we all know that that's a fact. You know. Yep. I, I have uh what the hell is this app called? Um what's the uh hold on TikTok, okay? So I watch TikTok stuff. I have never posted a TikTok video in my entire fucking life, and I have five hundred and eighty-five people following me. <laughs> Wait, that's a good question. I don't think I have it on my phone. I don't think I've ever yeah, I've never TikTok. So sorry, sorry, I have hundred and fifty-three people following me. <laughs> They're all bots, dude. You They're all bots, it. yeah. I mean, every single one's a bot. So, you know, it's just the way the world is. Anyway, Chris is tired of this conversation because he hasn't talked in like 20 minutes. So, yeah, you can tell when Chris is done. <laughs> he's also uh, tired. He's not sleeping well. Give him credit. Yeah, not feeling well. It's not so much that. It's more, as I brought up before we started, I don't know. I It was nice to have a conversation about it, but, yeah, you know, yeah. doesn't do anything. <laughs> Here. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't really know. Um, like, we don't have enough information. Nope. Nothing's happened yet. Correct. Like, 
So I, I agree with these statements. These are all true. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't I don't want to commit too much because I'll be wrong, and it's there's nothing wrong with being wrong, obviously. Right. But like, yeah, I I have no real emotional nope connection to it. None of it. Whenever, I do, I, whenever I, I, the rules change, to I'll follow them. Yeah, but here here's one other thing too. Critical Role hasn't said a word, right? <laughs> no, it couldn't. No. Not you know. one, nothing official. Again, I've been here for three hours. I've not heard anything official from them, but you are correct. I have not heard an official word. So from them. why are, why are, you know, what's, they're the biggest one that it's going to affect when it comes uh -huh. to the monetization, the monetization of it. Until they speak, it, it doesn't fucking matter, like Chris says. But no. the end of and to the best of my knowledge, and again, I only know this transiently from the stuff that I've been watching recently, they have like their own supplement book that's due out here in a couple of days. Because mm -hmm. I guess, and I didn't realize this until I saw this, but every time they do a campaign on Critical Role, they release a campaign book for that campaign. So if you right. want to play in that world or with those characters, you absolutely can do so. It's going to be in those books. That's and they And they themselves may have another whole agreement with wizards that we don't know about. Correct. I mean, All right, I'm done. I'm done. They, yeah, they've, um, written, they've written stuff for wizards. They have official content and unofficial content. I yeah, don't. Well, so did, I, so I don't um, believe Cobalt, they'll uh, be concerned. Yeah, so did Cobalt Games, but they still got they're still got signed on with Paizo. But anyway. All right, Chris, I'll let you button us out. It's late. I do not want to do your uh, your main topic because we can't I, do it next week. No, I guess we. I'll have to save it for another time. We'll we'll save it uh, for another time. year. Yeah, another, another year. year. It's way yeah. too late. I got to get them to work tomorrow. Yeah, no worries. Well, on that note, we'll end the show then. Um, thanks for sticking with us through uh, a random um, current <laughs> events. <laughs> I'm sure no. this will age perfectly by the time this publishes on Tuesday, by the way. I'm sure nothing's going to change. There isn't going to be another major announcement. It's all going to stay in the static state it is right now while we're talking about it. I was going to say, if we want to do stuff like this, we should probably make sure we have uh, are all ready to do video stuff and actually do it as a, a YouTube video rather than a podcast thing. But Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. Hey, first time. Um, learned a yeah. lesson. Yeah. I was going to send... I did suggest I, this I almost sent... I know. I nearly sent out the message like 20 minutes before we started, but I figured that was an unfair, so I didn't bother. But yeah, I don't know. We've it's been interesting to argue about something different for a change. You know? <laughs> it's been the uh, last I, time we talk about RPGs for like six weeks. I avoided my rants about corporate ethics. I did I did well. I held you did my, well. I was kind point. of expecting. I was kind of expecting it. No, you did well. Oh, um, but yeah. Uh, thanks, everyone. I know it's been a uh, a little bit of a crazy um, time for me. I've not got anything done that i would have wanted to for you guys but hopefully there's things of interest coming and more of this kind of stuff i know you guys got plans for your next uh, heresy cast we do we do i've been trying to lock down gabriel on a time frame that he can luckily that is should be coming up next week and we should be back on schedule yeah. holidays I, and I, I have a son that's trying to graduate early so he's been like dedicating a significant amount of time to getting homework done and unfortunately he's trying to get a full year's worth of school done in half a year he's super close um but that's going to be coming to a close here shortly yeah. just 
Uh, I've got that then. I know I'm trying to schedule uh, a deployment garrison as well with uh, Alan and Zach because um, there's some new Legion stuff to talk about. Um, I theoretically can message Bruno at some point and see how he's doing in the new year. His life's been very hectic, so there may be a Bad Ideas X-Wing podcast in the works. We'll see. Um, if not, I'll have to figure out something um but we'll, we'll we'll see how it goes um but yeah it's been cool i'm kind of working on a schedule i i start parental leave at the end of uh, this pay period so hopefully i'm going to start being the one who takes over more um jill's going to start picking up some casual shifts before she goes back full time um we are well a third, two thirds of us, in fact, are planning on attending. Oh yeah, uh, we didn't even bring this up. Yeah, yeah. So um, Ed and I will be around at Adepticon. I'm not sure exactly what capacity I'll be there yet, so I'm not going to comment too much on it. Um, but should be there. I'm just going to look at stuff. It, yeah, and play demo games and spend an absorbent amount of money that I shouldn't spend. That's all I'm there for. I'm there to um, see Ed. Uh, go out for food and drink alcohol. You guys will have an awesome time. It I'm is, looking forward to it. It's going to be great. It is, I really wish I could be there this year, but I, if we plan to do it next year, I will plan, figure out a way to make sure I'm there next year. Um, and I'll drive so I can just pick everybody up and we can drive around and stuff. Um, but not this year. I can't do it. Yeah, no. Uh, it was legitimately, it was a spur of the moment thing of Chris sending a message like, hey, I'm going to Adepticon. Anybody want to go? And I'm like, yeah, I got, it's on my bucket list of places I've never been and things I wanted to always see. So there we go. Yep. Like normally I would have been like, yes, I'm going, this is the one thing I'm genuinely, truly looking forward to. And I was talking to, to Gabriel about this, who's coming with us. Um, one of the things that always drives me nuts with these conventions, as much as I enjoy going to them, it's like, oh, you're going to go to Atlanta or you're going to go to San Diego. Or you're going to go to Vegas. You're not. You're going to a convention center located in one of those places. You're going to be locked in a basement for 12, 15 hours. You're going to go out, eat, maybe have a few drinks and go to bed. You're never actually going to go and see the place that you're going or nope. experience anything about it. Whereas if you're not going there specifically play like locked into an event or locked into a tournament, I kind of have carte blanche to go like, hey, we're in Chicago. Let's go look at some sites and go see Let's some go stuff. Let's go order some pizza. Like, yeah. I want to see what this deep dish pizza is really <laughs> like in Chicago. Or, I want to know. Or I want to go to the Ikea that's like two miles away from yeah. the uh, <laughs> from the convention center that it's at. You totally did do that, too. Yep. <laughs> I love Ikea. So, yeah, no, that's going to be fun. Uh, that is uh, March I we you have me booked March twenty second to the to the twenty seventh. Uh, but yeah, be... but I'm arriving on the Wednesday, which is the day. So it starts on the Wednesday evening, I believe. Yeah, yeah. it's a it's um, a five day con instead of a yeah. four day con. Yeah. Um. So I'm arriving slightly later, but the the flight was too much cheaper to not. Yeah. No. Um, I, and again, I'm not going there for any specific events. It doesn't matter. And then we have the yeah. Monday for travel back. I. The LCQ starts on the Thursday for Worlds for X Wing, and then oh yeah, uh, that little thing's happening while we're there. Yeah, X Wing World Championships, Legion World Championships, um, Armada World Championships, 
gigantic, uh, gigantic super player. major for um uh, 40k will be that you know just those little you'll, things right you'll out. have uh you'll have bolt action there you're gonna have flames of war you're gonna have uh the pirate game i can't think of what of uh, uh, blood, blood and plunder you can have all that stuff there. it's gonna be it's gonna blow your mind for how much stuff that they fit in that place no yeah. joke Oh, it's good. I, the last chance qualifier sold out in less than ninety minutes, Ooh. Yep. and they had the website down for an hour. Yep, and you had people on Facebook pinging AMG to see if they could add more spaces, which I thought was funny. Well, you, I would have waited till there was a crisis protocol like painting stream to ask them on there. Yeah, <laughs> seems like a profit channel. How- I'm on their website. How do I see the list of all the events that are going to be there? Um, go to the, the register thing at the top. Yeah. Uh, on, yeah. Did you register and get your pass? Not yet. No. That's yeah, probably so, why. When you, when you do that, you get to yeah. take all of the stuff. Okay. I'll take You'll care. be able to. There's at the top. There is something about events or something. It's a drop down. You go to schedule, and all the events are listed there. Oh, yeah. yeah, if you want to sign up for one of the RPGs, let me know, and I'll make sure I sign up for the same one with you. Okay. Yeah. yeah no, also, I'll, I'll, over the weekend, I'll pick it up. And I'll I'll they, get that taken care of. They also have a painting contest and stuff. You can enter stuff into. It's a I cool. It's a really cool. I had a great time when I was there, and I was a judge for Fantasy Flight when I was there, and I still had a great time. But I also don't like when I did my judging for Fantasy Flight. I they didn't pay for my room. I paid. For my own, so I wasn't committed to anything. Like I could walk away at any time. So yeah. So yeah. All right. I'll I'll sign up. I'll get that taken care of, and then I can see what events are they all. Do you have to pay for all the events you attend? Um, some stuff's free. Like yeah. Well, some stuff's like less than ten bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's it, 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 there's, it, there's stuff for hesitant to say it throwaway money. Yeah. And and I do want to say this too is that make sure you. Get into that early, Ed, because stuff does sell out pretty quick. I know that's what I'm worried about. But that's why I don't, I don't want to let it. I don't want to let it linger too far. So I need to pick that ticket up, and I need to pay for the flight so that way I'm completely committed. Yeah. Um, all right, that'll all happen but, this weekend. Yeah. The last thing would be uh, Bad Batch uh, started up again. So I've been watching the Bad Batch oh, on Disney. Oh, I totally missed that. I, I have. I haven't started. Two. I haven't started yet. I'm waiting for four. Are you waiting for it to? Are you going to do four? I thought you were going to wait gonna, for the whole series. No, I've I've decided to go at four just because I have enough to ingest, and then hopefully, you know, the rest of the episodes. It's kind of what I did with Andor. Yeah. Even though Andor is what I wanted to see the most, um, it's I waited for three episodes to drop before I picked up and started watching. I still haven't finished Andor. I need to get back to that. So good. Oh, boy. I know, I know. I keep hearing how good it was, and I just, for some reason, I just, I just need to pick it back up. That's what it is. You just hate Star Wars now. It's not. Oh, it's yeah. not. Like I genuinely do like like the first three episodes, and I've heard that it was exactly what we wanted it to be: mm-hmm. Star Wars and the Star Wars universe without without space wizards. Like it was the seedy underbelly of, of the Star Wars universe. That's what I wanted to see. I just haven't gotten around to to getting back to it. I won't say anything. Just okay. enjoy it. Enjoy I will. it. I will. I will. Oh, well. Yeah, okay. Have fun. And we'll see you all in two weeks.
Thanks for listening to a Lack of Focus podcast brought to you by Dice Productions. <laughs>